Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome to a Wednesday edition of Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily, March 8th, 2023. Happy birthday to WST. Hard to believe. Two years to the day since we fired up our first episode We had episode 500 on Monday, and now the milestones continue, 5.02 today. Um, Obviously, this entire operation could not have gone much better, uh, but a huge thank you right off the bat to everyone that makes Winnipeg Sports Talk a part of their routine, whether they're listening on the podcast or joining us live on YouTube. And a massive thanks to the sponsors that uh, have been with us. I mean, uh, the Nick and Nicky DQ, Royal Sports, Boston Pizza, not Autocorp, right from day one. And, of course, Manitoba Battery, F Apparel, Consolidated Supply, Wallace & Wallace, Vita Health Fresh Market, Culligan Water, Canadian Club, Little Brown Jug, and our uh, partners over at CoolBet, and, of course, the wonderful people at Princess Auto. A uh, hearty thank you from us at Winnipeg Sports Talk for your continued support. Um we won't spend a lot of time talking about the last two years because we got a big, big game tonight at Canada Life Center. Scoreboard watching was not fun last night. Even less fun when I got got by the ESPN scoreboard that told me that the Minnesota Wild had, in fact, won an extra time. Uh, not so fast. Jared Spurgeon's OT winner overruled on, you guessed it, the offside challenge. And I believe it was Tyler Toffoli who had the winner in the shootout. And the Calgary Flames win one nothing against the Wild, who we'll see tonight, and move to within four points of the Winnipeg Jets. Now, the Jets do have a game in hand. That game is going to be played tonight against the team that the Flames beat, the Minnesota Wild, a team that has had their way with Winnipeg through two matchups so far this season. So uh, the stakes are high. The uh, setting is is tonight, 7 p.m., downtown. Massive game for the Winnipeg Jets, and we're going to be all over it today. Trevor Kidd's going to jump on in a few minutes with us. Trevor's been doing such a great job with the CGOB broadcast as well as the Jets post game with Sarah Orleski. Really looking forward to getting Trevor's take on where this team is at, what's been missing for the last month or two, and his thoughts on whether they can get it together and uh, meet the challenge of a wild team that has certainly raised their game over the last number of tilts. We'll also dive into Nikolai Ehlers with Murata Tesh. Now, uh, many of you who uh, are athletic subscribers have already seen Murat's great deep dive into Nikolai Ehlers' season, um, his usage, what's been going well for Nick, what hasn't. Um, a really great read. We'll talk about that and we'll obviously get Murat's take on this game tonight and the upcoming road trip that'll see the Jets play in Florida on Saturday, Tampa on Sunday, and then finishing off the road trip early next week against the Carolina Hurricanes before coming back home to meet the Boston Bruins at Canada Life Center, the number one team in the National Hockey League. And hey, it is International Women's Day Shout out to all the women that take in Winnipeg Sports Talk every day. Make this a much better place. Of course, all the women in all of our lives and one of our favorite females, even if she's a wild person. Uh, Jesse Pierce from Bar Down Buttes and NHL.com is going to join us as well a little bit later on. So 
The table is set. Let's get at it, and uh, let's get Michael Remus in here to get this show on the road. Remo, happy anniversary. Yeah, happy anniversary. Hard to believe it's been two years. Uh, people are texting me. <laughs> you know, we put out put out a very nice graphic. Like, whoa, has it been two years already? And I was like, yeah. And they're like, whoa, it's really blown by. But I'm thankful every day that we could do this, that people uh, tune in and show. We had one of our most downloaded shows or downloaded days yesterday. Um I guess after the deadline and even after a loss, one of our most down in the last like 90 days. Um, you know, we had a, one of our top shows ever with the trade deadline Friday, which was so much fun, even if there weren't any major deals to talk about. So I'm, you know, so thankful to be doing this every day. Thankful to the sponsors, people in chat, people on podcast, uh, the guests who come on the show, um, you know, regular contributors, um, a lot of people, you know, there's a lot that goes into making this happen every day, and I'm, it's awesome to be here. So, uh, and yeah, biggest biggest game of the year tonight, of course. <laughs> How can we forget biggest game of the year? Well, you know what I mean. Listen, I'll just quickly mention this. I mean, I guess it was um, you know February 9th of twenty twenty one when the lights went out suddenly, and um, you know our sports community was left with um, you know going from you know a twenty four hour sports station where you had local programming for the better part of six a m to six p m every day um in addition to games, which of course went over in that final year over to c j o b um and when we started this, we wanted to try to bring some of the content that we were doing daily on the radio to a new format so it would still be there and you know the way things have just grown day after day has been. I mean, honestly, better than we could have imagined. And it's been, I think, the consistency of doing these shows every single day, win or lose, that has allowed us to grow. But a big part of it has been the grassroots support we get from everyone that is jumping on uh, into the chat with us on the YouTube shows. And, of course, the huge number of people that aren't necessarily able to join us between 1 and 3 when we're live, but listen on the podcast. So certainly a collective effort, you know, coming out of a pretty dark situation. And at the same time, I do want to give a big shout-out to Illegal Curve, who, of course, I mean, in, in different incarnations of their show, have been doing things for 14 years. They had a big anniversary earlier this year. Uh, and, of course, our great friends... Kenny and Rennie, who have uh, grinded it out doing uh, post-game shows throughout, as well as some pop-up shows as well. Um, the digital space right now in for Winnipeg Jet fans is plentiful. Um, listen, if you're driving around looking to listen to it nonstop on your AM radio, unfortunately, that option is no longer there. Uh, but honestly, I think we're still in a pretty good place as a sports community, and we're happy and proud to be a part of it. So, uh Cheers to you all. But yes, Remo, back to tonight. Biggest game of the year, uh, which got a little bit bigger last night. You knew it was going to be a three-point game between Minnesota and Calgary. Um, and a kind of a bizarre game. I mean, Gustafson and uh, Markstrom in an absolute goaltending duel that went through overtime. An offside challenge negated a wild win, and Calgary wins it in overtime. In a, a shootout, I should say. And, um, you know, that old thing in the car, the uh, objects in the mirror are closer than they appear. Well, the Calgary Flames are a heck of a lot closer after that game last night. Just four points behind the Winnipeg Jets. Um, the Jets do have a game in hand. That game will be tonight. Huge opportunity for the Winnipeg Jets, but also a massive challenge as this is getting real right now just to make the playoffs. 
Yeah, and you know, looking back, like the Jets got off to this really hot start, and now they've we you know they've played not great since about January one. I think their talent level is somewhere in the middle. And again, if we go to our preseason expectations, I think the Jets where they are right now is lines up with what we thought they were uh, in the preseason. However, when you have that hot of a start, I think it changed a lot of our expect expectations, maybe our perception of the team. We know they can go on these good runs and. Uh, they can go into slumps, and this game against Minnesota, big. Every game is the biggest game of the year, but a, a divisional game Wednesday, uh, national TV. I don't know how many other games Sportsnet's uh, broadcasting tonight, but uh, the Jets will be on it, and <laughs> you'll be able to know and, by checking out the intermission. <laughs> yeah, one thing about um, Minnesota that I've that I've noticed, yes, um, since January one, they were they've scored the least goals in the NHL, and I don't think of Minnesota as a team that struggles to score at all with Kaprizov and Zuccarello. But they've also um, allowed among the fewest. I think it was bottom one of the bottom five fewest teams since January one. Uh, I'm using the calendar change just as a reference point, but uh, the one guy, maybe this was like the trade of the off season, and we didn't think much of it at the time. We thought Ottawa was getting uh, the win. Uh, Acquiring Cam Talbot from Minnesota for Philip Gustafson, but here's Gustafson's numbers. Huh? So let's look at these numbers: thirty games played. Sorry, is this is this real? One point nine one goals against average. Yeah, it was two oh six heading into Saturday, and he had another yeah. shutout. Nine three five save percentage. Well, thankfully for the Jets, Huss, uh, Minnesota played yesterday, and I'm assuming it's going to be Mark Andre Fleury in net who hasn't who hasn't been as good, but I mean, that's a reason why Minnesota is where they are, despite, you know, not being able to score. So, well, and then, you know, the Jets have had their own issues with scoring as well, but they were able to get a couple against Edmonton. It's just going to be, I think it just shows it's going to be tough for them tonight. And, you know, we haven't talked about the lines, but Pierre-Luc Dubois, game, game time decision. Yeah, we will get to that in just a second. I mean, listen, the Cam Talbot trade, Bill Guerin, uh, listen, as far as NHL GMs go, he's been dealing with a massive cap hit from, you know, buyouts that happened before he got there. Cam Talbot and Marc-Andre Fleury were there. Cam Talbot wasn't, you know, liking his position, said he maybe wanted out, and Bill Garenwood said, don't let the door hit you on the way out. Beat it. Traded him for Philip Gustafson. Got probably, what, $3 million cap space. Gustafson's only making $787,000 this year. He is an RFA. He'll be due for a big raise, and that could not have turned out much better. By the way, a quick thank you. Shout out to Mohammed Jahangard. Greetings from Los Angeles. Came across your show a week ago and been listening since then. Very informative. Thank you. Thank you, Mohammed, and great to have you tuning in from L.A. And very much appreciate that generous super chat. And shout out to Kochi51 with another super chat in. Congratulations on the WST birthday. Great job, guys. Love the show. Thank you very much, Kochi. Um, as far as those lines, as you mentioned, Reem, I mean, there is somewhat of a question mark as to whether we will see Pierre-Luc Dubois in the lineup tonight. Um, wasn't in practice yesterday. Um, and the way things look today, assuming that Dubois can play, will be Connor Shifley, Niederreiter, Dubois with Ehlers and Wheeler, Lowry, Barron, and Nemetsnikov, and Stenny, Kevin Stenland, in between Saku Menelainen and Mason Appleton. Uh, we did see a swap yesterday of Appleton and Barron, but it does seem like from the morning skate, they've gone back to those lines that we saw in their last game. A uh, little bit of a shakeup, though, on the blue line. 
Morrissey and Pionk together, Dylan and DeMello. And it looks like Logan Stanley is in with Nate Schmidt over Dylan Sandberg. Connor Hellebuck will be the guy. If Dubois can't go, Gustafson is likely to come in. And I think about that comment in chat yesterday from uh, Mitch from Winnipeg Hockey Talk um, saying that he wouldn't mind to see Stanley in this game. Well, Logan Stanley's going to get that opportunity to do exactly that. And interestingly, speaking of Stanley Remo, he also had the opportunity to speak to the reported trade request that was made heading into the trade deadline. Um, didn't really say yes or no on that, but um, did say he's happy to be here with the team that drafted him. And uh, listen, whatever happened in the background, this is a big opportunity for Stanley to show that he deserves to be in the lineup with a strong game tonight. Yeah, you know, we talked, you know, with uh, actually had a good video on our channel, uh, you and Frank talking about what Logan Stanley's value would be. But we did have that report last week from Andy Strickland saying he requested a trade. I think if, you know, where there's smoke, there's fire. And Ken putting out the tweets. Yeah, he said he's focused on helping the team win games, making a deep playoff run. Says he loves Winnipeg since the day he was drafted. Everyone's treated him amazing. You know, other than the cold, no complaints about the city or the organization been treated and my family's been treated really well Says I'm happy the team that drafted you is always the team you want to play for for a long time we have a great group in here and a lot of good friends and I'm already seeing in Chad has people think Stan, you know Stanley six seven so you have all these um you know thoughts about what a six seven guy could do and I'm already seeing people in chat saying Stanley versus Ryan Reeves tonight and I don't know if they brought him in to put a spark I don't think of him he has fought but like, I don't think of him as a tough guy or a fighter or anything, but this has been a pretty big rivalry and the Jets got spanked in Minnesota earlier this year. I don't know, maybe they, they do need Dubois fought before. He's not a big fighter, surprisingly. Maybe there is something uh, going down. I'm not down. sure anyone, I mean, Ryan Reeves has been in, you know, a few fights. I mean, the one guy I remember fighting Reeves was Adam Lowry. And... Lowry has been a guy that has sort of stepped up when his team had needed him when it comes to some of the rough stuff. But I really do think it's more of a physical element. And and listen, I mean, Logan Stanley, certainly he's big. I don't think, in my personal opinion, he's played big enough, often enough, and that's part of the reason why, you know, for more often than not, he hasn't been in the top six this year for the Winnipeg Jets. <laughs> but I'll tell you what, if he wants to make a statement to Rick Bonus that he should be a regular having a big physical presence tonight against the team that you know is going to bring that in front of Connor Hellebuck is a hell of a good place to start. And he is getting a big opportunity to come back in. I, mean, I don't think Dylan Sandberg's done anything that's played his way out of the lineup. Um, but again, we'll try and hear from a little bit of Rick Bonus uh, a little bit later on after we talk to Trevor Kidd. Um, but, I mean, Stanley's only going to get so many chances. This is another one in a huge game for the Winnipeg Jets, and he can help his team but also help himself personally by coming up, being steady, playing hard, playing tough, and uh, helping his Jets get a massive two points. Yeah, and for them, I mean, keys, score. Let's see if you can put the puck in the back of that, capitalize on the chances. We're going to keep an eye on the power play tonight, going 0 for 6 last game. Something's... Got to give here, Huss, and, uh, you know, Hellbuck starting in goal, no surprise there after Riddish got the start yesterday. And, you know, with a couple days off here, he's going to be rested and energized and uh, give the Jets uh, the boost that they need as, you know, try to keep pace here in the playoffs, as you said, what, five 
points or four points now ahead of Calgary, but with, with the one game in hand. That was the thing that burned me so bad. Not only did I tweet out um, after that the, uh, that the Wild had won in the shootout, I actually even took a picture of the standings. Like ESPN had updated the standings and had the Flames five points back. And then after a couple people had mentioned, what are you talking about, went back, refreshed it, and, oh, that extra point in the standings got added. So this really is a crucial a crucial game to start off five of the toughest games the Winnipeg Jets are going to be playing in a row all season long. I know I've been referring to the schedule and the challenges that are coming up for the Winnipeg Jets. Well, it's here. Minnesota tonight, a massive divisional game against a team that's had their way with Winnipeg so far this season. And then Florida, Tampa, Carolina, Boston, uh, at a time of the schedule that they absolutely need points. And Reem, not to not to spend too much time talking about the last two months, but uh, give a hat tip to Connor Harabchak on Twitter, who put together the NHL record since New Year's Day, and the Chicago Blackhawks fourteen thirteen and one for twenty eight uh, games, twenty nine points in twenty eight games. Jets thirteen twelve and two, twenty eight points in twenty seven games, and. Well, that's what two points better than the Anaheim Ducks in one more game, and the Ducks are 11, 11, and four. All that being said, if you told me that this team went 500 and got five points, points out of the next 10, uh, 10 available or even six, uh, I would take that in a heartbeat because, as we mentioned, um, they are going up against some of the most, the best teams in the league. And certainly the Wild have been playing like one of the best teams in the league as of late. They got a nice boost from their general manager at the deadline um, with a few additions, both in and out. Great value what they got for Jordan Greenway and then uh, brought in Johansson and, of course, John Klingberg as well, who I'm sure will add a new element to that power play. Yeah, really. Yeah, I like the moves uh, Minnesota made. I'm kind of, and they also had brokered a couple deals, paid uh, the role of money launderer. What was it in the the Kane deal? I forget what. There was like two deals that they took on salary cap and uh, received picks from it. Sorry, if I'm uh, forgetting them. But yeah, you look at the Jets schedule coming up. Us like next week: <laughs> Tampa, Carolina, Boston, all. Back to back to back. That's not ideal. Plus, Florida, who's been playing, you know, pretty well, even though they're outside the playoffs. Yeah, they and beat Vegas Matt. last night, and you want to talk about a desperate hockey team? Yeah, that's the Florida Panthers right now. I mean, even if they play very well, they might have blown it already because some of the teams around them have less points or have less games played. Um, and of course, I'm sure Paul Maurice is going to want to give one to his old club after uh, what happened here in Winnipeg earlier this season, but. Uh, this is, uh, this is on the Jets tonight to rise up to the occasion. And we're going to talk about that with Trevor Kidd in just a second. You know, listen, before we get to Trevor, hey, shout out to Tico Napoli. Look at T, you want to talk about dedication to the show. Tico Napoli is at the docks, so can't watch the live show, but happy birthday, gang, and throw a nice little super chat in. Tico Napoli, truly a WST legend. Um, let me give a big thanks to uh, Donnie and the gang down at Manitoba Battery. Of course, I mean, they're the leaders for all things batteries in Manitoba. And if you're in need of a battery for your car, your truck, or even that summer toy you're working on this winter, 
Manitoba Battery is the most convenient and well-priced option in the city where you can put the order in for your battery at lunchtime or around the start of Winnipeg Sports Talk Live at 1 and have it sitting on your doorstep in two to four hours for less money than you'd spend anywhere else in Winnipeg on the same battery. Um, basically, the Amazon of batteries here in Winnipeg, but shopping local and getting the best price makes too much sense. No fighting for a parking spot at Costco, waiting in line at Canadian Tire, spending more money on batteries at the big box stores. Let Manitoba Battery bring the battery to you while you spend time on more important things. You can call in that order or talk to them about whatever you need, 204-783-8787. You can order online at manitobabattery.com or you can always pop by and see them at 1026 Logan Avenue. Big shout out to the fellas over at Consolidated Supply, ready for golf season and working hard with the best in irrigation products and solutions, as well as artificial turf. And listen, they may be the leaders in the golf industry, but they can also be for you with any sort of work you might be doing on your property. In addition to that, they are, of course, the club car dealer for Manitoba. So if you've got a need for golf carts of any sort, or maybe just one to maybe trick out and run around within the summer. Joe Spicy and the gang have got that for you as well. Also got great options on spas, hot tubs, uh, outdoor kitchens, and more. Pop down and see the guys at 1395 Niaqua Road East, or you can find out more on everything they can do for you, including small engine parts and repair online at cte.ca. I'm still welcoming in nominations for, uh, for February's Unsung Hero with Wallace and Wallace and Winnipeg Jets defenseman Josh Morrissey. Send us an email to uh, unsunghero at winnipegsportstalk.com. Let us know about that person in your community doing great things for others through charity work, volunteering, or maybe being that go-to person on the block when others are in need. Uh, you can let us know by emailing about that person at unsunghero at winnipegsportstalk.com. February's winner will win an autographed jersey from Jets All-Star defenseman Josh Morrissey. And Wallace and Wallace will make a $500 donation in the nominator's name to the Dream Factory, which will be matched by Josh and Margot Morrissey. Just before we talk to Kidder, a big thanks to our friends at Vita Health Fresh Market, another great sponsor of Winnipeg Sports Talk with great prices on natural and organic supplements, beauty products and groceries, and Winnipeg's largest assortment of local products too. Um, great non-alcoholic craft beer, mocktails, and some great snacks just in time for St. Patty's Day. And with spring just around the corner, fellas, get ready for it with Ultimate Male Energy. Formulated specifically for men over 35, Ultimate Male Energy is designed to help improve testosterone production, reduce excess body fat, build muscle tissue, maintain prostate health, and more. And it's on sale today at Vita Health. Vita Health Fresh Market, empowering people to lead healthy lives. Seven Winnipeg locations, including the newest store in Linden Ridge and online at myvita.ca. All right, Murata Tesh coming up a little later on. We'll try and get you a little bit of Rick Bonus audio from this morning, post-morning skate. We'll also get the latest on the Visiting Wild with Jesse Pierce later on in the show. But right now, let's welcome in former NHLer and our great friend, Trevor Kidd, for the latest, his thoughts on the Jets. Kidder, what's going on? Thanks for doing this. Thanks for having me, Hoss. Uh, all good. Uh, looking forward to, uh, yeah, a pretty big game here tonight <laughs> against the Minnesota Wild. 
I have a feeling we're going to be saying that a few times over the course of the next uh, month and a half. Oh, it, it is sort of crazy that, you know, we're uh, here, Calgary, after that win last night, and a, of course a three-point game against the Wild is just four points back of the Winnipeg Jets. And, I mean, it's easy to look at the teams behind you and around you, but I'm sure you'd agree this starts within that Winnipeg Jet locker room to get out of uh, a funk that really is extended for the better part of the last couple months. Well, and you know, it's funny you say that, the, a couple months, because, you know, a lot of the, the banter in quite a few circles, they keep talking about, uh, you know, the last two to three weeks hasn't been well. And uh, Huss, you're one of the few guys I was saying earlier that uh, myself as well, this goes back uh, well into uh, early December when some of the players who were injured in December started coming back. And they really haven't been able to find, uh, you know, for all that excitement that was generated, built, coming out of training camp, uh, systems, culture, again, excitement that we spoke about, uh, you know, October, November, all the hay that they put in the barn from the standings and top of the conference, uh, they just haven't been able to find that X factor. I mean, there's been little bits and pieces here and there where you think they've gotten it back on track and uh, then you see some of the consistencies or, or misgivings in, in other areas and, in, in, you know, following games. So uh, it, it's, been a, it's been a tough go and, uh, you know, they're still in it. Uh, certainly, you know, to some degree, it's less about looking forward and uh, perhaps more of what's coming up from behind and that being the Calgary Flames and, uh, it's a tough schedule here for them. That San Jose Sharks uh, game, which was, uh, you know, they're one of the bottom feeders. Uh, they got a point out of that. Would have been nice to get two, but what they have for the next four or five games here is is going to be a challenge, and they're going to have to dig deep to find, again, uh, working together, supporting one another, the compete, the battle, you know, all the cliches, the 60 minutes, uh, one shift at a time, as crazy as it sounds, uh they have to get back to those kind of basics here and try and put, uh, you know, period shifts together and, and put a game together where they feel feel good about themselves because there's been a, a lot of, again, when it comes to the inconsistencies, there's been uh, decent games where you say, well, the offense might be going here. We, we you know, look at the Oilers. We put in uh, five, six goals, but there's been a lot of yeah, buts. Yeah, but this wasn't good. Or yeah, but that guy didn't play well. Or yeah, but the bottom six isn't contributing or the power play isn't doing this. And uh, it's, uh, again, it's been a tough go and it's not going to get any easier for the Winnipeg Jets. Kidder, you uh, spent a long time in the National Hockey League. Uh, I'm sure you were on some teams that were in very different situations. Um, Take us inside the room right now for a team that had such a great start, that had a big, big cushion. Um, What what do you think's going on, uh, you know, within the team right now? And maybe what's the biggest (laughs) challenge? What's the biggest challenge for Rick Bonus right now um, to try to ground his team and get them back to playing the way that made them so successful in the first half of the year? Somehow they have to go back and, and, and talk about training camp. Uh, to me, you have to find what happened there in regards to getting guys to, to buy in, uh, to refine uh, that X factor that they had to start the season. And uh, there's, a, there's a lot of hope in me that maybe someone bottled that because if uh, they did, now's the time to open it. Uh, uh, there's Again, there's been some individual 
uh, moments uh, with how they've played here over the last couple months. Uh, and there's been some games certainly where they put the puck in the net. But uh, this team and what they did, it was was all about that X factor. And it was a whole bunch of things. But I think back to you know October, November, uh, it was the compete. It was the battle. It was being relentless uh, on the puck. How many times did you see... Uh, whether that be a forward coming back, whether that be a defenseman, uh, just hard on pucks, hard on body, creating separation. Uh, and that was all over the ice husk. We saw uh, the Winnipeg Jets attacking as a five-man unit. How many times did we talk about Josh? I mean, Josh Morrissey's continuing to put points, but Josh Morrissey seems to be the only D-man that is involved in the offense right now. And you think back to October and November, you had all of them contributing and we just haven't seen that the Winnipeg Jets attacking as a five-man unit uh, a big part of that attack and the defenseman getting up and when you say attacking I go you know harken back to the the, the Dustin Bufflin days and that's where you know Josh Morrissey has found some successes D-man playing below the top of the circles in the offensive zone playing below the face-off dots you've seen Josh Morrissey in that game against the Sharks he's in in the blue paint in front of the opposition's netminder but again, it's only Josh Morrissey at the moment. Yes, Nate Schmidt had a, a nice goal there against the Sharks, but we need when you talk about consistencies, the Jets D man, again, tacking as a five man unit, the consistencies that I talked about has just been gone. And a part of that, then the flip side, is the defending. When I think about October, uh, uh, November, the defending, how the Winnipeg Jets shut down the opposition's offense by defending so far up the ice. They were breaking up plays at the offensive blue line. They were breaking up plays at the red line. Now it seems it's, you know, it's gone back to the, you know, go back to last year where they're defending further into their own end. They're trying to big, you know, break up plays off the rush. They're trying to hold their blue line where it wasn't that long ago, three months ago, two months ago, all that defending generally speaking was happening so much further up the ice. And then, you know, the second, the last part is, is the support. And I think, uh, you know, the trust, the um, being there for one another. And, and you know, you think about being there for one another that we're talking about emotions here and, and something else, but it's just that, that support that you see on the ice uh, where that guy is that, that five foot play, that five foot support. A lot of times you're seeing the long bomb here from behind the net into the neutral zone. When you talk about October and November, that support was in the defensive zone. That was at the face-off dot. That was at the hash marks. Those passes were, were right there, were easy to find for the D-man. It was one, two passes out of the defensive zone, into the neutral zone with speed. So to me, it, this is, when you talk about what's gone or what needs to get recaptured, what Rick Bonus needs to go back to, it, it's it's the systems, it's the compete, it's the battle, it's it's giving a hoot about giving you know about one another out there and 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 making the Shifleys and the Wheelers and and, and the Connors, uh, you know, again, what was so impressive going back to those early months of the year was the attention, the detail that the Winnipeg Jet best players had with those items and and you know to a man uh, your best players need to be your best players yes on a given night your best players need to be your best detail oriented uh, oriented players on, on a nightly basis as well and 
uh, you know, not to point the finger at the top six, certainly the bottom six is, uh, you know, plays an equal part in some of this. And as, as I mentioned, attacking uh, defensemen uh, as a five-man unit. Uh, it, as a group, you could look in each little individual area, but uh, uh, when I say individual, a lot of this starts with, with that individual uh, caring, support, being there, compete, battle. If they can have that, that have that uh, relentlessness that they had at the start of the year, then I think you'll start seeing some things come. Well, the one guy that has been relentless and has been, you know, stepping up when the teams needed it, and you mentioned is Josh Morrissey. I mean, we've seen, you know, where this yeah, team has really time. been in a funk on a couple of occasions. I mean, the St. Louis game, uh, obviously, at the end of January, heading into the break when the team was really struggling. I mean, his performance in the third period may be one of the highlights of the entire season. Um, and even though uh, it didn't go their way against the Kings in the extra frame, um, his performance last week with two goals and two assists, I think was another example of that. But, I mean, we can talk about the bottom six all we want. I mean, there has been, you know, some goals that have been scored from that group over the past week. And Madam Lowry getting the grill off his back was huge. Right. But, I mean, I think you named it. Um, you know, the big guys up front, Mark Shifley, Kyle Connor, Nikolai Ehlers, Pierre-Luc Dubois, I mean, those four guys to me are going to be, uh, well, they are the difference makers. Connor Hellebuck, obviously. But, um, and, and for those players, it's just been incredibly uneven performances um, and not mm-hmm. a lot of chemistry mm-hmm. on those games. That being said, <laughs> Nito Niederreiter has really brought in a jolt of energy, I think some physicality. He's been the best guy out there as of late. Um, the big question is whether, particularly Mark Scheifele, who, of course, is a guy that you know has a lot on his shoulders when it comes to the offensive carrying the mail with the Winnipeg Jets, needs to get going. And, and you mentioned about the details. Um, I think there's a lot to be said about the lack of defensive pressure and how that leads to the lack of puck control and offensive opportunities. And for whatever reason, it seems like they've had to work that much harder to get the puck. um, And it's taken away from a lot in the offensive end, but there's a lot Mm -hmm. of things that haven't been going right. Just right down to the simple things like putting passes into skates and whatnot, Trevor. And uh, obviously all those things can add up to a tough run. That being said, I mean, they can't dwell on this. They need to be better and, Man, they've got an opponent that has had their way with them so far this year in the Minnesota Wild, who, uh, you know, with a lot of challenges, especially with that salary cap, have put together one hell of a season. And this is a team that looks like they are getting ready to play playoff hockey already and not waiting Mm -hmm. for the middle of April. Yeah, the one thing, two things, as you're you just you're you're talking there, I agree with you on Nino Niederreiter. Uh, He's been a nice little addition. you know, it has to be a little bit frustrating for, for the group and the squad because, you know, again, it wasn't that long ago, Haas, two months ago, I would be the first guy to say that Kevin Sheveldeoff needs to sell the farm here and, 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 and get a whole bunch of big pieces in here because this is it. Like It's go time for the Winnipeg Jets. Unfortunately, the last couple months and going into the last week, I was like, geez, I, I hope he doesn't sell the farm here because... I'm not sure what's happening with this squad, and you can almost have another conversation about perhaps they should be sellers and not buyers. But the one piece that they did buy in Niederreiter, he, I agree with you. For the last couple of weeks, uh, he's been a huge, huge addition, and it, it's you know he has that style of game. He's uh, he plays big, but I, what I've loved about it, and this is to me what <laughs> a little bit is, is sticking out in regards to how he plays, and maybe a little lack thereof 
from some of his surroundings is where he's generating his offense husks. It's right in the middle part of the ice. It's right in the slot. It's right in the tough areas. And you look at the goals and, and the impact that he's having and not be on the power play and or five on five. Uh, he's getting into those middle part of the ice. It's not easy to be in there. You're going to get hit. You're going to get poked. You're going to get scratched. You're going to get marked up. But he wants to be in there, and he's generating offense from uh, that spot. And, you know, again, if you're some of the other guys, uh, uh, you know, and Nick Ehlers has struggled. But the one thing, I go back to the Sharks game, and I mentioned this to Sarah post game uh, on the Jets TV, is Nick Ehlers, you know, maybe didn't factor in, in the scoreboard here tonight, uh, but he played he had a couple nice center lane drives. He was in around the blue cane a little bit. Those are the type of things when you talk about the, the big guns, the top six for the Winnipeg Jets. They're all talented guys. They all have a bunch of speed. But the NHL is, I mean, the goaltenders are too good. You can't play on the periphery. You can't play on the perimeter. You have to get into those hard areas. Yes, I'm watching the Tampa Bay Lightning uh, yesterday, and they've been struggling a little bit, but you watch their power play. When the puck goes to the point, uh, Kucherov and Stamkos aren't still sitting on the face-off dots. They are in front of the net, at, nearly taking one-timers off their off, off their buckets to try and find a rebound, to try and find a greasy goal, to try and create chaos and havoc in front of the net. And 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 so it, it, again, it's that 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 nastiness, that X factor, that battle, that compete, that the group in general needs to get back to and you know and i said this the other night too the one good thing about and you had mentioned it us the minnesota wild coming into town is that is almost a guarantee when those two teams play that there is going to be some sort of nastiness involved or it's going to be a fight or a dirty hit or or so, like you can't go through the motions uh if you're either one of these teams because it'll be lights out early and that might play into the hands here of the Winnipeg Jets. I mean, again, Minnesota had the game last night, and it was a tough, tough game. They lost one nothing, and, and but, you know, they, they worked. So they could be tired. They should be tired. Uh, but with that said, um, Minnesota will be ready here. This is a big game. It's a natural game for both teams to get up for. And as I mentioned, the nastiness, I just hope that that plays into the hands of the Winnipeg Jets here, maybe them getting back on the tracks and finding their game. Well, it, you know, it's a great point, and I mean, you know, you can speak to this as well, Trevor. I mean, you know, it hasn't they haven't played Minnesota for a while. I mean, you're always looking at the team in the standings, and you're quite familiar with the club. But I mean, the Jets have been manhandled by that club twice. I believe the goals in the two games are ten-two <laughs> so far this year. And right. you know, Rick Bonus mentioned after that ugly game a couple weeks ago against the Avalanche that you know hockey tests your character and tests your pride and. You know, in addition to everything that has been surrounding with the club, with the results that haven't been going their way, um, I like to think that the memories of um, getting it handed to you might bring out the best in them tonight. And um, that will be another test of, um, you know, to get through this adversity. Mm. And maybe a team like the Minnesota Wild at this point of the year can bring out the best in the Winnipeg Jets. Jet fans can certainly only hope that that'll be the case. <laughs> I agree. And you're right. It is a, uh, you know, there might be some reflection certainly going back to, uh, well, both games, as you mentioned, uh, Minnesota's uh, pretty easily handed Winnipeg to uh, not so pleasant losses. Uh, there will be some reflection. I'm, I'm certain on that, but I mean, 
there would be reflection uh, if, if Winnipeg was not in the position that they are now and maybe a little bit further up in the sun and, you know, in the same conversation as the Dallas Stars and, and you know, the Colorado Avalanche and, you know, first in the conference and all those, the, the, that banter and conversation we had two months ago. Uh, you have the Calgary Flames here knocking on the door behind you. And the game... <laughs> The reflection is, is as I mentioned, what we talked about earlier here, is, is somehow getting, uh, you know, they get it. Uh, they haven't played well against uh, Minnesota, but they haven't played that well here in the last couple months and certainly the last couple, three weeks, if you're to put a, a microscope uh, on things. So uh, they have to find it somewhere. They have to they have to look within, certainly now with the trade, trade deadline over, right? And it seemed to be a lot of the conversation leading up to is, Chevy maybe getting some help and looking outwards to maybe get, uh, you know, whether it be shoring up the, uh, you know, finding a, a winger there on that second line, Niederreiter being a part of that or getting, you know, getting some depth in that bottom six. That's all done and gone with now. Like everything, everything now until the end of the year is all internal. They have to find it within. And uh, it, it's still a struggle to this point. Uh, there has been bits and pieces of it, as, as I mentioned, uh, the Oilers game, the Kings game, as you mentioned, uh, some of these blows where the offense seems to be clicking, but there's that yeah, but where it's not quite a Picasso per se, and and there's components that are missing. And uh, uh, boy, the conversation, you mentioned the conversations within the locker room, certainly they're looking at one another, but certainly they have to be looking at each other. Uh, in regards to what they're going to bring out as an individual perspective, and not playing individually, but individually buying into the system, buying into the culture, buying into how what it takes to be successful, and that X factor part of it that I spoke about earlier. Well, and Kidder, just before we go, I mean, the one thing you can speak to is uh, goaltending, and uh, David Riddick's had uh, you know a couple. I know the Columbus goal that one went in. I mean, the game goal against San Jose probably doesn't uh, like it too much. I'm sure he'll get a couple starts the rest of the way, but uh, three days off yeah. for Connor Hellebuck back in the net tonight. Uh, I would imagine this is a time to ride your horse that got you here. And um, no doubt about it. The guy that could be the most impactful, regardless of what happens in front of him is that horse wearing number 37 that we'll see tonight. Well, and totally Huss. I mean, this is this is it. And Riddick has played good. I mean, tough tough loss for him there. I mean, the equalizer against the Sharks, uh, a point shot that gets redirected to hurdle right on his you know tape yeah. the one time top top shelf and no chance. Uh, you know, Logan Couture getting no chance, and Logan getting a breakaway from basically the top of the circles. Uh, you know, nice nice little play by him. Riddick is. Uh, you know, and being a number two guy and putting in quality starts and points in the bank, he is, he's done real well this year. Uh, uh, he, coming into the year, he, you know, he self-admittedly struggled and was uh, having a hard time being a number two guy and having space and time between games. But uh, I think he's put himself you know, quite well uh, in this, uh, you know, year to this point, at least with the Winnipeg Jets. But Connor Hellbuck, yes, come on. He's with the struggles that they're having. Yeah. Um, you know, your goaltender might have to bail you out here a little bit for you to find your way. And, you know, certainly tonight might be one of those nights. But, it's, again, Connor Elbeck is, is, is having a darn good year. And that's the one thing that the Winnipeg Jets, regardless of where they are in the standings, just just get in and and, and, and get into the playoffs because you have a Vesna-style goaltender. And you think about the playoffs, maybe it's one game you find your way. You know, a goaltender can win a series in the playoffs too. And, We've seen how that can snowball. So 
Uh, I look to Connor Hellebuck here uh, to put a lot of pressure on himself. He's done that throughout the year, throughout his time here in Winnipeg, and uh, he'll have to be big here down the stretch for the Winnipeg Jets, and I'm sure we're all confident that he can do it. Trev, you're the best, man. Thanks so much for doing this. We always love having you on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Enjoy hearing you on OB. Hopefully our paths will cross on one of those pregame shows coming up and, of course, postgame with Sarah on Jets Live uh, on the YouTube show right after the games. Have a great one and enjoy this one tonight, pal. Uh, Thanks, man. Appreciate it, brother. Oh, man, that was some great stuff with Kidder. So lucky to have him come with us on the program and real interesting thoughts on the power play. We're actually going to get to a little bit of Rick Bonus on some tweaks to the power play that we will see tonight, assuming the Jets do get opportunities on the man advantage. Just before we do that, Marotta Tesh is well still to come, as well as Jesse Pierce from the Twin Cities on the visitors tonight. Uh, but listen, with this two-year anniversary today, looking back, have to thank Greg Gerald and the entire Royal Sports team for the amazing support of uh, us. And this goes back many years all the way back to the NFL Sunday ticket show, for those of you that are long enough in the tooth to remember myself, Jim and Z-Man, and the nonsense we used to do on uh, Shaw TV back in the day. Um, but it makes a lot of sense to, to be working with Royal Sports because they are the number one sports superstore in Winnipeg, and they've been doing it family-owned for over 35 years. Um, anyone that plays hockey knows that they're the hockey superstore. You're talking about the best selection of equipment, for both skaters, goaltenders, you'll find around. And uh, when you need a new twig, Royal Sports, the million-dollar stick inventory, and great prices on uh, some Warrior sticks right now, up to 50% off. Um, don't forget, great snowboards, boots, binding services for those of you that might be looking at hitting the hills in and around spring break. And for those of you that are just fans, Maybe you don't need to get on the ice, but are looking forward to getting into the stands to support your team. An incredible selection of Jets merchandise, Bomber merchandise, and really your favorite teams from around professional sports, including the National Hockey League, NFL, NBA, Major League Baseball, and even the soccer fans taking well good care of with um, the best jerseys from and kits from around the world. Pop down and see them at 750 Pemina Highway. And make sure to follow them on Instagram at Royal Sports Pemina. They do a great job of um, dropping the latest merchandise that's come in, as well as any pertinent sale information for you. Um, and also have to thank our friends at F Apparel. Andrew uh, Parks and his team are the spots for custom suits and clothing for men. And having you know dealt with F Apparel and uh, you know got suits, I probably never do anything else because. The entire process is very simple and painless. You go in, get measured up, figure out what colors you want, fabric styles, and a few weeks later, you've got a beautiful custom suit. But more than just custom suits beginning at 400 bucks, chinos, golf pants, an amazing selection of shirts, both more formally as well as casual, to be meant to be worn both tucked and untucked. Pop down and see them for yourself at 190 Smith Street downtown. You can also... Make an appointment or order online at F, that's E-P-H, apparel.com. Don't forget about the 15% discount for wedding parties when you get your suits at F Apparel. And for all 2023 high school graduates, get that new suit for the big day. F Apparel will hook you up with a free custom shirt and tie valued at $150. Um, and of course, another great thank you to Boston Pizza Andrew, the Enrights, they've been with us uh, since day one as well. 
Um, really appreciate their support and what a perfect partner to have in BP because, of course, BP, a favorite of mine, before and after Jet Games down at City Place and the best place to watch the game when they're on the road or if you're not at the arena, who can complain with delicious BP wings, gourmet pizzas, those ice-cold schooners and more. Check out their new seasonal menu as well with some really great new offerings. And you can always order online if you're not making it out at bostonpizza.com. All right, Murata Tesh is going to join us in a few minutes, and we'll talk more about tonight's game as well as a long read he has on Nikolai Ehlers this year. But as we talk with Trevor, the Jet power play has been problematic over the last little while. 0 for 6 in the game against San Jose did not help the cause. And Rick Bonus today, after the morning skate, talked about some changes to the power play for tonight. Here's what Coach had to say. Swapping Kyle and uh, Mark on the on the flanks for a first power play unit. How does Nino's work in the bumper? Perhaps a, how did that lead to uh, giving you those options? He, he's well. It's not so much Nino in the bumpers. It is we're trying to generate more shots. Uh, we're just clearly not getting enough shots on our power play. So it's a way of getting these guys to come up higher and and have a little more time to shoot the puck. But our, our biggest goal, regardless who's in the bumper position, we need more shots. And uh, putting those guys coming downhill, they're our pure goal scorers. They're, they're going to be able to get hopefully more pucks on net. Have you been finding that opposing teams' penalty killers have been taking away Kyle's one-timer or the yeah. crossing? Yeah, that's well, they have. Motivation. If you watch them, you know, it's, it's like you're when you're playing Ovechkin. You know he's going to shoot the puck. Stammer in, in Tampa, so that D is always rushing out at him and getting in the lane. So um, if this is a way of getting him. you got to change it up every once in a while and, and give it a different look. Uh, the, the, the league is very well coached. It's very well pre-scouted. It's like our penalty killer. We, we know what the opposition wants to do. Scotty does a great job breaking it down. So um, they know where he is, and um, we're just trying to move him around a little bit and see if we can generate more shots. All right, so there's a little bit of bone. So uh, a swap of Connor and Shifley from their positions on the power play. And, you know, one of the things that really stood out to me in our conversation with Trevor was him talking about that Tampa power play and, you know, how aggressive they are in and around the net and the number of bodies they have around there. And that, I'm sure, will be something the Winnipeg Jets would like to have. But um, I can't say that I'm surprised, Reem, that they are looking for you know, a few tweaks to the power play because um, it hasn't been as fluid. It hasn't been as successful as it is, was earlier in the season. Um, and the Jets need to turn that around right now because with the lack of consistent goal scoring they've had, you have to make the most of those opportunities on the power play. Yeah, when you're coming off a game where you lose by a goal and you go 0 for 6 on the power play, I think you're going to look at what can you do better. And it's not just one game. We've seen a bit of a trend here, and I agree. The power play, they've been standing around back to last year looking for that perfect play, that perfect one-timer. But also, you're getting if you are getting the shots off, they're kind of from the side, and you don't really have anyone in front uh, causing havoc. I do like the Nino Niederreiter. I think we can all agree this is a great acquisition, and he brings skills to the team that they that they didn't have big bodies, you know, scored goals in front of the net and I mean, had a, actually an amazing shot, spin top corner uh, in the slot area for last game. So, you know, maybe if you're on your off, I don't know, like they move them to their off wings, Connor and Chafley, um, or sorry, to their regular wings. But now you can't do one-timers. Maybe it'll force them to, to shoot more or 
different look or give him a different mentality instead of, oh, I'm just going to park up here, hold my stick in the air and wait for this uh, perfect one-time pass. We'll see what happens. I don't know if they're going to, you know, I think they've, when it was working, they were kind of freewheeling and guys were rotating around up top. Maybe we end up seeing that and, you know, Connor sneaks in for a one-timer somewhere. You'd like to see a power play goal um, if they're given the opportunity, but I think they'd be lucky to get any goals because Minnesota's given up ten regulation goals in their last in their last ten games, which seems insane. Yeah, uh, <laughs> it uh, it certainly is. Let's get one more clip from Bones before we bring in Murata Tesh and Ringo just mentioned perfect segue, professional. I might even add, Thank you. Um, ten regulation goals in the last ten games. Gustafson's certainly been a big part of it, but. The Minnesota Wild's commitment to defense is uh, helping them win a lot of hockey games, and that'll be a huge challenge for the Jets tonight. Here's Bones on uh, the challenge that the Wild uh, will present to his club when it comes to trying to light the lamp. If you watch the game last night, like Calgary had a lot of great opportunities to score. Um, it didn't go in because the goaltender was making the saves, great saves. Both goalies were unreal last night watching that game because you look at the 0-0 score and then you watch the game and you say, wow, there's a lot of great A's at both ends. So uh, you give the goaltenders credit. They were, they decided the outcome of that game and it goes to a shootout. And it wasn't, you look at the score and you say, oh, that must have been a boring check, check game. It wasn't. They, there was great chance right off the bat. Zook walked in on a, on a clear, almost a break away the second shift into the game so the chances were there their goaltending was great that being said Minnesota is very good at keeping you to the outside their D are very good at boxing you out and you've got a battle to get to their net front they're big guys and they and they and they box you out really well so it's one thing to get in the zone it's another thing to get to the net and so tonight we're just gonna we're gonna have to keep our D involved and they're gonna have to ready to shoot the puck and they can't wait for someone to get to the net because the, the shooting lane will be gone. So it's going to be up to our forwards to battle through that and get to the net when, when it goes to the point. Yeah, good stuff from Bones. We'll uh, have a little bit more on the uh, Wild, how they've been doing it with Jesse Pierce a little bit later on on the program. But right now, let's welcome in Murat Atesh, who uh, first off, i got to thank Murat for all his great contributions to the show through the first two years. And uh we got a big one tonight and a big read right now at The Athletic. If you haven't checked it out already, a real deep dive on Nikolai Ehlers, and we will get to that as well as tonight's game, but it's called Breaking Down Winnipeg Jets winger Nikolai Ehlers by iTest Analytics and Rick Bonus's Impact. Let's welcome Marat in right now to the program. Marat, how are you, my friend? Hey, I am honored to be here on the two-year anniversary show um, thanks for having me. Thanks for uh, having me along for the ride that it's been for these two years. Yeah, just feeling good. Well, listen, uh, I think everyone in the chat will feel a lot better if the Jets can get two points tonight. Uh, Matt Calgary with the win last night, four points back. Uh, listen, I've sort of felt like this was almost inevitable with the trend that the Jets have been on that you know we were going to start getting into a situation where there wasn't a huge gap between the clubs and the playoff line. And that's where the Jets are right now going into arguably maybe the toughest five games on the entire schedule all season long. I mean, yeah, I, I clock it, you know, at the end of, at the end of each game, I write a really quick summary at the athletic uh, in sort of our short form feature. And throughout the first half of the season, one of my last sentences was always, you know, within two points of first place in the Western Conference or has the best points percentage in the Central Division. 
And now these last little while, it's, hey, Winnipeg's still this many points up on Nashville and and uh, and Calgary. Games in hand, all of that sort of stuff is the relevant information because Winnipeg has work to do to make sure that they hold on to the spot that they have. Yes, they have a lead. Yes, they're in control of their destiny. Uh, no, things haven't been going super well of late. And, you know, you mentioned the, the stretch of difficult games ahead. I mean, Minnesota's getting 962 goaltending over its last 10 games. That's incredible. Uh, it's going to be a tough one tonight. Well, and, and the Wild in particular, even when things were going great for the Jets earlier this season, they seem to be a little bit of the kryptonite. I mean, uh, 6-1 and 4-1 losses earlier this season. And that 6-1 what might be the ugliest one of the entire season. Um, maybe, uh, listen, I'm, I'm trying to look at, you know, ways that this might actually help this club. Um, I remember Rick Bonus talking about how their character and pride was being challenged and the game does that to you. This team has done that to the Winnipeg Jets. And um, considering the urgency of their situation right now, if they can raise their level of play and find that against a team that has given them problems, it would bode well for this road trip going forward. But it doesn't diminish the huge task in front of them tonight when the puck drops. Absolutely, it does not. And I think Minnesota, especially early on in the season for Winnipeg, was kind of this reminder that, hey, you've made some progress, Jets. You've started to play the right way. There's just some systemic improvements to how you go about your business. But when you get rattled, you can still get far off of your game. There are still bad habits that can creep into things. And, you know, maybe that was just short-term doses early on in the first half of the season. Fast forward to right now, and you talk about pride, you talk about resilience and all of those things that Winnipeg is going through. Ideally, these Jets have um, have had to solve enough problems and have had gone through enough of adversity to be a more mature version of themselves when, you know, if and when things get tough against Minnesota tonight and in the four games that come up, because that's one of the things that they've struggled with in this last, you know, 10, 15, 20 games or whatever you want to call the slide that the Jets are on is not just that sometimes they get beat or, you know, somebody makes a great play, somebody makes a great shot, maybe Hellebuck doesn't bail them out, whatever it is. Um, it's what happens next. And too often Winnipeg has looked, uh, you know, a bad start in and looked at a bad start, pardon me, and made it a lot worse, gone a little bit more desperate for offense, chased the game, all those sorts of things. I think there's been a gentle turn in the right direction along those lines, even though they lost an OT and they're not coming off a win. But Minnesota's going to test that and it's going to test that quite a bit. Yeah, you mentioned Monday. I'm interested in your thoughts. I mean, there was a lot of disappointed people because of the results. I mean, overall, I mean, the Jets certainly did carry the play. But, I mean, I can remember games last year when, you know, they had crazy shot totals, but everything was from the perimeter. They didn't have any of those really great chances and didn't score enough and were on the wrong end of the scoreboard. I mean, what did you make of the performance on Monday um, as well as, their inability to hold on in that final two minutes and eventually coming out with only one of a game that they really did need to. Yeah, they needed to. Um, I don't want to say they deserved to because they didn't close it out. And that's, you know, something that they'll, they'll need to work on. But in terms of, if you just look at the quality of chances they got, I believed in that game. I don't think San Jose was particularly good in that game to tell you the truth. And Winnipeg did itself a disservice by not burying early and often when it was generating all sorts of chances. Morgan Barron probably had nightmares about those two shorthanded chances. Kyle Connor's not as crispy as he's been of late. You know, there have been 
sometimes are the pucks on his stick in dangerous places and he's kind of fanning or not getting the shot that I assume that he wants out of it. Even Nino Niederreiter, he scored, but there were a couple of times where he picked up slot passes from Mark Scheifele and didn't get the, the, the quality of shot that he probably would have liked. You know, if you look at the types of chances Winnipeg created, you like most of that game. And it was on them to finish and bury and, and get out of there with, with two points and not just one. Obviously, that's not what happened, but it's a different flavor of loss than there have been at times during their slide. And it's definitely a different flavor of loss compared to last year as well. Um, so, you know, I think it's the sort of game that maybe a team that's struggling finds a way to lose. I think Minnesota is going to be a tougher chat. Pardon me, a tougher test, though. So they could play at least that well, if not better, get another goal or two and still be in tough, um, you know, against the Minnesota Wild tonight. No, it's a great point. And I mean, one of the things that um, we just heard a clip from Rick Bonus on that was, um, you know, glaring on Monday night was that over six number on the power play. I mean, um, how are things different right now? Why do you think the power play has struggled the way that it has as of late? And what did you make of the uh, swap of Shifley and Connor that we just heard Bones discuss? Yeah, you know, when it's it's easy to cherry pick power plays sometimes because they're, they're small samples compared to the rest of the game. But that caveat out of the way, you watch Winnipeg and you compare it to, say, the Edmonton Oilers that are just unstoppable on the power play. And there's two enormous differences to my way of thinking. One is that the puck does not move very quickly around the ice. Um, two, a team like Edmonton or some of the elite power play teams around the league, every player is a threat in a few different ways. You know, they might shoot, they might pass. And if they pass, there are a couple of different places that they might move that puck to. Maybe the players rotate in and out of their positions over the course of the power play as well. I think only some of the more elite power plays do that. Winnipeg seems to be moving the puck around the perimeter, not quickly enough to, to open up seams or move, move defense defenders around. Also not, not incisive enough with their passes to move defenders around. There have been some times too where I think the sort of do I shoot, do I pass decision happens slower for the Jets than for other teams, especially of late. I thought Dubois was a pretty bad offender of that playing the bumper position or sometimes beside the net where it seemed like he would almost inevitably pass across to to a covered player, even though there was a net drive opportunity there. I think that's why Nito Niederreiter has that job right now. Um, as for the switch, I think it's a switch to create some change and just to create some different looks because Kyle Connor hasn't had shooting success uh, on the power play of late. Mark Scheifele kind of the same. Uh, these are quality players. They can do so many things. Uh, but I think that it's a bit stagnant and it's a bit one look from, from that Jets top unit of late. It certainly was concerning in the fact that, I mean, you mentioned Morgan Barron. I mean, you can make the argument that the Jets had better chances at four on five than they did at five on four <laughs> yes. in that game. And that ain't the way it's supposed to work. One, and this is a nice transition into a great deep dive on um, Nikolai Ehlers' season and where he's at right now. Uh, in that when things began, Nikolai Ehlers was on the top line and was on the top power play. Missed an extended period of time, came back, has seen a small amount of time in those roles. But as things have settled out over the course of the past number of weeks, not only hasn't been on the top power play or on the top line, but has seen his ice time diminish. We'll get to the big picture in a minute, but... um. Ehlers in the power play, did that just not work? Were these square pegs, round holes? Or um, uh, it, it's still, it, 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 I have a hard time 
wrapping my head around a player that is so talented, has traditionally done so many good things when he has the puck on his stick and when he's on the ice, not being able to really fit in on an NHL power play with the man advantage. Yeah, that's one that that I struggle with as well. I mean, you can look at individuals and say, okay, Dubois has a better net front presence. Shifley can shoot and pass really well. Connor's a sniper. You can, you can kind of do that sort of thing. But if you look at the results that these guys get, Nick Ehlers points permitted on the power play. And that's what you're trying to do. You're trying to make goals happen. You're trying to get points on the power play. He's a leader on the Jets, not just amongst the better players, but the actual leader in that sort of regard. Part of that is because he is a little bit less predictable in terms of shooting, passing, his movement, those sorts of things. An enormous part of it as well is you can count on him for that zone entry. And, you know, against San Jose the other night, there was that buzz in the air again when Ehlers had the puck, whether it was 5-on-5 or on the power play, even though his unit only got the tail end of shifts, where, you know, he picks the puck up and you know that puck is getting across the blue line and Winnipeg's going to end up with possession. Whether that's him skating in himself, holding on to it, whether it's him skating in and then a drop pass to a winger at the line or a teammate at the line, or he'll skate, generate speed, and then the defender sort of, I want to say collapse to him, but like they move towards him and he takes up that space. And then he'll do a dump play where he rims it all the way around and a Jets player is ready to pick it up at the other side. You saw all three of those forms for successful entries against the Sharks. That's an enormous part of a power play, especially when you lose the initial face off. You have to go back and get it. Well, what happens next? And, you know, Mark Scheifele and Kyle Connor have had some success with entries on the top line and the top unit. But there are days where it looks like it's not going for them. And then Ehlers is whipping up the ice, especially against San Jose. He looks particularly sharp again on that. Um, that's an enormous part of a power play as well. So all this talk about fit, I'm like, well, I don't really care how it feels if the power play is scoring more with the guy on the ice then he should be on the ice yeah i think there's a lot of fans that would agree with that um this uh, this piece as i said folks i mean it's a it's a longer read there's a number of components to it but um tell us what when you decided to do this marat what was the what was the impetus for having this as a topic and What were some of the areas that you decided to really investigate as to uh, where Ehlers is at as well as where his team is? Yeah, I mean, the honest truth is that sometimes I get frustrated by the Nikolai Ehlers dialogue. And it's almost like Logan Stanley, where you can't say that he made a good play or a bad play without somebody who hates him or loves him as a a hockey player chiming in and as like an absolutist take on it. And I think Ehlers is similar to that, where, you know, you can't really write that he's playing well without somebody watch him sort of overpass on a play or, you know, make a play that's a little bit too cute, chiming in and saying, oh, he's a perimeter player, all that sort of stuff. You can't criticize a a decision that he makes with the puck without maybe a more data-informed person sort of saying, well, hey, he drives play, look at these charts. And I just thought that it was maybe time to explore both sides of those things as thoroughly as I possibly could. Um, Ehlers is clearly a player that brings out a lot of feelings in in fans, media, analysts alike. And I just kind of wanted to explore, what is he actually doing well? Is there any sort of metric-based reason to suggest that this is a bad year for him? Has he struggled at least? I mean, we can watch him with our eyes, and that's part of the, the piece as well. And we can talk about his explosiveness. We can talk about overpassing. We can do that. But Does that show up in the results? Is he not creating as many chances as he usually does? 
What about in the defensive zone where he certainly gets a lot of criticism? He gets taken off the ice late in games. And I wanted to explore those sorts of things with more of a balanced, more of a balanced viewpoint. Um, because I think that he's a player that our memories and our emotions completely skew how a lot of us think about him. You watch him overpass in one instance and something goes terribly wrong and that emotion stays with you and you think, oh my goodness, like what a what a waste of a play. And maybe it was a waste of a play. He must not be creating. But then you zoom out and he creates so much, which you can see in the results, not just fancy stats analytics, but actual goals for the Winnipeg Jets most of the time um, that that's worth exploring as well. And I, I just tried to parse through the eyes, the analytics and give some credence to both sides to, to win to bonus and his sort of arguments that he makes to the data. And then some of the differences and nuances that maybe, you know, might explain a little bit of why he's at where he's at right now. Well, you know what you mentioned the coach. Um, so let's start there. Um, you know, e- even after the, the game the other day, you know, when bonus was specifically asked about Ehlers play, it almost came across as somewhat of a lukewarm endorsement, if uh, if that makes sense to you. Um, what do you make of the way that he's being used right now? What we've heard from Rick Bonus on a player with so much talent that has had production in the past that continues to produce, but has found himself more often than not sitting on the bench in crucial situations and has not managed to click, um, certainly to the liking of the head coach, enough to stay on that top line, which was where he was pegged right from the first day of training camp. Yeah, well, I'll spend some time from sort of what I perceive to be Bonus's point of view. And I could be wrong. I'm not in his head. This is how I'm interpreting. Over the offseason, he had a problem to solve. He had a leadership situation. He had a, a hugely disappointing season. You look at how productive Ehlers was last season and every season since 2019-20. He's led the team in points per minute in all situations. And there was a really... I want to say easy solution, more Ehlers, better for everybody. And, you know, if Shifley is your go-to number one center, which he was, that was a conversation they had, um, then are you going to go back to Blake Wheeler, who whose minutes need to come down based on his age, whose captaincy you just took away, who if you give him to Shifley right off the hop, you're essentially saying, hey, I do it the same way as everybody who came before me? No, Bonus identified that he needed to make a change. He made that change, and for two games, it was tremendously productive. And I think there were a lot of results there. The offense was there. The speed was there. The point production was there with Ehlers, Connor, and Shifley. Pardon my tongue here. Um, But, of course, Ehlers gets hurt. He steps away from the team. Bonus needs other answers, and he finds them and has success with them. Ehlers comes back, um, and certainly there's some patience that needs to happen We've looked at the laundry list of players, Andrew Ladd, Andrew Kopp, um, uh, others who have struggled as they return from sports hernia surgeries. So there's reasons to be patient, I think. There's valid reasons to maybe be a little bit cautious about the minutes. So there's like one part of the perception, I think. There's also, you know, when we talk about the numbers, you know, in all of the years up until this one, all of the chances that Ehlers creates, and he creates way more than he gives up, that's largely turned into goals for if you look at the five on five plus minus in real goals, Ehlers is generating like 60% of goals scored when he's on the ice. Winnipeg enjoys 60 plus percent of goals when he's been on the ice for the last several years. So coaches have been able to look at, okay, 
He's a bit chaotic to watch. Sometimes he makes mistakes I don't like, but we tremendously outscore our opposition. And I think that those memories, the goals, the celebrations, all of that sticks in memory. Well, this season, it's exactly 50%. Winnipeg has enjoyed 17 goals with him on the ice at five on five, 17 goals against. And I think when you're a coach and you watch an Ehlers giveaway turn immediately into a breakaway, like what happened with Kyler Yamamoto of the Oilers the other day, and it goes in, you're not thinking, oh, this guy creates 60% of the chances and probably will get 60% of the goals again. You're thinking, gosh, I wish he made a better play on that on that two-on-one, and I have horribly negative emotions because we just got scored on in a must-win game. So I think that what's happening a little bit is, one, Ehlers can be coached like all other players. There are strengths and weaknesses in his game. There are puck management decisions you don't like, even if you acknowledge he creates more than he gives up. But also there's a puck luck element to this where he's not finishing as well as he traditionally does. And Winnipeg's goaltending isn't um, ha- has had really poor results with him on the ice. Those things will even out. But Bonus can't look at his memories and say, well, hey, we're outscoring the other guys because he's not. And I think that that's all compounding into, okay, chaotic player, we're not dominating in goals, even if we get the chances when he's on the ice. We've got to figure something else out around this player. And I and I think that the goals will come because I think he has had a, a mostly good season, even if there's some coachable moments in it. You know, I'm uh, – uh, um, and I, I think you're, you, you nailed that there. I mean, I think there is real – real-time reactions of people, um, and this goes with fans, but I think it also goes with coaches. When, you know, one sort of individual play amongst many stands out and it really does negatively impact you on the scoreboard, I think the reactions to that can be magnified in big, big ways, and I think that is the case of so far what we've seen from, from Ehlers at times since he's come back. Part of what you talk about as well is the eye test. And I'm a huge Ehlers fan, always have been. I will admit at times I've been a little underwhelmed on what he and his line mates have been doing at times, especially at five on five. But again, maybe we're just used to a certain level of dominance or you know scoring chances being farly tilted in the Jets' favor that maybe haven't been then. But, I mean, just when you take away the numbers, which we'll get to in a minute, um, what have you seen from Nikolai Ehlers since coming back from his injury? There's been plenty of speculation that, you know, the surgery that he had is one that does take a long time to get forth. I mean, are there any? is there anything that sticks out about his game right now that maybe is missing from what we've seen in previous years when he was consistently the most productive player wearing a Jet jersey? Yeah, I mean, he still is being tremendously productive on a points-per-minute sort of basis, so I... I I guess I go a few ways with that. Now, remember, before he came back, you know, we were talking and, you know, I, I have done this a couple of times. Hey, look at all these guys who have come back from the surgery. They've struggled. Let's be patient. Let's be patient. Let's be patient. I've said that on this show. I've written it at The Athletic. Let's be patient. It may be a while before he's peak Ehlers. Then he rattles off 14 points in 10 games when he comes back from that injury. And so you're wondering, like, whoa, was I – did I overstate the like that need for patience in that regard? And I, I'm not sure. I honestly don't know. I go back and forth on that. Do I think visually that there has been some pop that like that get you out of your seat feeling when he has the puck? Um, has a little bit of that gone away? Honestly, in my mind, yes. 
Yes, I think that there's been some explosiveness missing. He's still a plus skater, but is he has he been just like terrifyingly fast or what have you? I don't necessarily think so. But at the same time, against San Jose, I don't know if you felt it, um, but I thought that when he was winding up in the defensive zone and he was generating all those entries I was talking about, the fan had a mini ver- the fans had a miniature version of that like hush that something might happen vibe again with the puck on his stick. I think that that has been missing a little bit, but it was nice to see a, a turn in that direction. Um, but mostly my takeaway is this. Um, there has been some offensive production, especially when he first came back. But I think it really stands out when he's making you know questionable passes on two-on-ones. He has a net drive um, where he puts the puck through his own feet and he doesn't get that puck on net. There's if you If you have a highlight reel or a low-light reel of plays in which Winnipeg makes way too many passes and doesn't shoot, even if he's not the leader of it, he's been in those in those scenes quite often. And as a zone entry guy, he often has the puck on his stick as the first jet across that blue line. So he's making the first decision, really, um, with the puck across that blue line. And so he contributes to that overpassing. And I think that when all of the goals are going in, not only do fans feel better, he feels better. There's more confidence in his own shooting and his own playmaking. A lot of that gets dialed in. And then the memories that fans have because he's finishing at a normal rate and the goals are working out on at a normal rate feel a lot better. I think that there's just been some some questionable plays that deserve to be addressed and deserve to have coaching impact them sort of compound, you know, the number slump as well. No, I uh, listen, and I echo those uh, minutes. I mean, I was in the crowd on uh, on Monday, and you know, it was a very tight game, albeit not necessarily played that tight. I mean, the Jets had more chances, more shots, more everything, but there did seem to be a little bit more of that burst from Nikolai Ehlers, and I'm not sure whether that was more that you know he was able to do more because of the competition they were playing of against, but it was a good sight to see. Um, I'll, what do the numbers say this year? I mean, you kind of mentioned a couple of those right now, but I mean, what stands out when you dig into the numbers this year and how different are the results with Ehlers on the ice this year as opposed to the ones that had him at the top of the team for uh, the last number of years? Yeah, great question. And if you forget his past, forget anything else and just focus in on this season, does Winnipeg get a freakish amount of chances with him on the ice or is his impact as isolated by RAPM, you know, regularized adjusted plus minus rate adjusted plus. Oh my goodness. RAPM metrics. When you look at his impact on the ice, Winnipeg still creates a ton of chances with Ehlers on the ice and a ton of chances in good areas of the ice. The Winnipeg Jets still give up a lot of chances with Ehlers on the ice, but just as throughout his career, The amount that they create is more than what they give up. So if you're looking for a guy to help you win, yes, he's offense first. No, he's not a defensive stalwart. But consistently, you look at scoring chances created by the Jets with him on the ice, and you look at his impact isolated by folks like Evolving Hockey or or Micah McCurdy at Hockey Viz, then yes, he's still creating a disproportionately high number of chances from great areas. Um, The only slight change is in terms of expected goals, he's historically had an almost incredible, like 
you know, well approaching three standard deviations above the mean uh, impact on expected goals for the for the Winnipeg Jets. And that's looking more like two now, which is still a lot. It's it's like the difference between a whole lot and a lot. And that's the only substantial difference is that Winnipeg um, has created slightly less, but it's still a lot and it's still more than what the Jets give up. So it's not the sort of situation that you'd look at with a tremendous amount of concern can he be doing more? Yes, because we've seen it in his career and we've seen these plays where he sort of overpasses the confidence isn't there. But there's no argument that he hasn't been helping or that he hasn't been creating a lot for the Jets, not based on the metrics this season. You know, um, one of the things that I've always found strange, and I'm not sure, I mean, you'd have to go back and you'd be a perfect guy to ask this. I mean, when was Ehlers the most productive, who he was playing with, how was he being used? Because we can sit here and it's fun to do a deep dive and talk about one player that's been so important to this Winnipeg Jets team for a number of years, but it is a team game. It is done not individually, but with line mates. Um, and, and I'll be honest, it is, it, 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 it's always been strange to me how we've seen so much uh, volatility with Nikolai Ehlers finding a centerman, a line to consistently be a part and just run with. I mean, what do you make of that? And in your opinion, where's the best fit for Nikolai Ehlers in the top six of the Winnipeg Jets? Yeah, great question. I think there's a lot of feelings, again, on the players and coaches' parts that go into this. And just as a random aside, like for years and years and years, after he was elite and he was actually kind of below average, you do a player poll of the NHLPA and say, who's the goalie that you want on the ice? They would say Carey Price. Years and years. And the reason is because it feels like you can trust him. There is that sensibility that it feels good. And anybody who's played hockey knows the difference between a goalie that you feel like you can trust and one that you don't, right? Like, um, And I, so the, those decisions make their way into the rest of hockey as well. And I would think of the 2018-2019 Winnipeg Jets where Nikolai Ehlers played a substantial amount of time with Mark Scheifele and Blake Wheeler, taking some of those minutes from Kyle Connor, who had, tr had traditionally played in that spot. And it was the single most productive version of the Scheifele-Wheeler line that they had seen in those years. It was even more productive than the Connor version by goals, by metrics, by how well Winnipeg did when they were on the ice. Um, and yet it was by playoff time, Connor Scheifele-Wheeler again. And you saw that sort of thing. Why does Ehlers sort of, why are the Jets quick to move him out of those situations? And I think part of it, this is just, again, my interpretation. I haven't asked this question. I think part of it is that players know what to expect from a Kyle Connor. I think Nikolai Ehlers is a chaotic player. I think that there are situations where um, when he makes a pass that somebody's not expecting or shoots when they're not expecting it or holds onto the puck, curls around the net, and you're not sure where to go, like, I think that even if they could rationally say, hey, we actually get way more goals when this guy's playing, there's probably enough moments of frustration when he's on the ice to be like, hey, uh, I, I got lost in my route because Nikolai Ehlers played jazz for a little bit. And that's my interpretation. Again, nobody's told me that. It's just what I see. And I think when you talk about, you know, the fit and uh, all those sorts of things, I think some of that plays a role in, in coaching decisions and, and all of that. In terms of an ideal fit right now, I'll go back to what I wrote when Nino Niederreiter was acquired, and I, and I did a video dive on him, um, is that 
Niederreiter is such a sneaky good player in terms of attacking lanes in the middle of the ice. He's such an effective player in terms of winning battles in the corners and in front of the net that lead to chances for himself and for his teammates. Shifley is Winnipeg's best passer from low to high, from outside in, all of those sorts of things. Ehlers is pretty good too. Shifley is a freak. He's really quite brilliant at it. And neither of Shifley or Niederreiter has Nick Ehlers' effectiveness when it comes to zone entries and skating that puck up ice. I argued for that when Niederreiter was acquired. Looks like they practiced that way recently as well. So there's a chance we see that as well. It's something that I'd be looking forward to see if I were the Winnipeg Jets as well. Yeah, and just I know we spent a lot of time talking on uh, on Ehlers, but um, and I, I'm not sure what this says about the current state of the team, but I've maybe been most impressed amongst all forwards of Nito Niederreiter over the last couple of games. And, of course, he scored, hit the post. I mean, he has been impactful. Um, just your thoughts on Niederreiter and the early returns from uh, the biggest of the two trades that Shovel Dayoff made at the deadline. Just excellent. Absolutely excellent. He's, he's done exactly what you would hope, exactly what his reputation says he's going to do. He wins battles. He takes shots. He fights for space in the corners in front of the net. You know, the comeback against Edmonton starts because he drives the center lane, tries to take a shot, recovers the block, goes and gets it, gets it back to the point. Um, he's made plays in the center slot. His hands to take Josh Morrissey's slap pass um, that was going, I think it was going across the ice to Kyle Connor. But he takes that pass in the middle of the ice, spins and fires into the net. I mean, that was a tremendous play. But he's helping his teammates get the puck and get the puck to dangerous places. Uh, to have that player for a second-round pick, a steal on Chevy's part, a great deal. And, you know, it's exactly the player type that Winnipeg needed to add because of the strengths and weaknesses of the other players. If you could have a second needer rider, you'd, you'd appreciate one on this team. Yeah, no doubt about it. Well, we're going to be uh, talking uh, about the uh, visitors who, of course, used to have Nino Niederreiter on their squad coming up in just a minute. Just before we go, um, back to the present, just thoughts on this game tonight, the challenge that this incredible run the Wilder on defensively. I, I almost had to look at it again. Ten regulation goals in ten games. They're getting the goaltending. They seem to have confidence. This is a team that, to me, Marat, has stepped their game up and is playing playoff-style hockey right now. That hasn't been the case with the Winnipeg Jets, and I can't imagine maybe a better test for the Jets to see if they can raise their game against a team that worked them over pretty good a couple times earlier this season, especially at the most important time of this regular season. Like, There's a reasonable chance things don't go well, but even if they do go well, Minnesota's going to frustrate you. Minnesota's going to frustrate the Jets. It's going to be tough to get chances you know, you can talk about percentages, and I will. Minnesota, in those 10 games, has carried a 969 save percentage at 5-on-5 five five and 962 overall. Is that those good? are freakish, better than Vezina totals. Like, incredible. And they've controlled the flow of play. So it's not like they're, you know, it's just goalies. It's also the kinds of chances they've been giving up. But the goalies have been freakish. It's been amazing. And Winnipeg hasn't enjoyed that in this recent stretch. So... You combine great goaltending with great chance prevention. Winnipeg could play an excellent game and still struggle and still have those moments like they did against San Jose where they're getting robbed or where they're having a tough time getting to the middle. Uh, it's going to be tougher against Minnesota, I should say. All of those sorts of things compound to a potentially frustrating game, and it's a test that Winnipeg needs to pass because we've, you know, we've talked about their resiliency, their pride, all of that sort of stuff. If they give up an early one, what push do they have? Will they cheat for offense? Will they be able to get to those dangerous areas that Niederreiter gets to? Those sorts of things. 
I mean, it has to be able to beat teams like Minnesota in the playoffs, down the stretch, all of this sort of stuff. So, yes, it's a great test. We've said that a couple of times in the last couple of weeks, but it really is a test, and it's a test Winnipeg needs to pass. Marat, thanks so much. Really enjoyed the piece in The Athletic. We'll look forward to uh, seeing what happens tonight and uh, catching up with you next week after one of the most hellacious road trips on the calendar for uh, for the home team tonight. Be well, and thanks for doing this. You too. Thanks for having me. There it is, Murata Tesh. Make sure you're giving him a follow on Twitter and check out all of his work over The Athletic. All right, we're not done with this game tonight, though. Really excited for our next guest. Quickly do want to tell you, looking at the briar right now, Manitoba keeps rolling. Big win over the other Manitoba team, Reed Carruthers, yesterday for Matty Dunstone. Tonight, for the uh, win in the group, 6-0 Dunstone versus 6-0 Kevin Cooey. And uh, Mike McEwen, a Manitoba native, big win earlier today, and uh, they're at three and two. They'll play tonight as well against BC. Of course, all of our curling reports brought to you by our great friends at Princess Auto. For everything you uh, need to complete the projects on your list or start something new, Princess Auto's there with the best deals on the most unique assortment of tools and equipment around. Check them out at one of two Winnipeg locations, Portage Avenue West or Panit Road. You can always shop online. 24-7-365 at princessauto.com. Big cheers to our friends at Canadian Club for their great support of the uh, fellas as well. Of course, you can pop by your local Manitoba Liquor Mart and get Canada's favorite Canadian whiskey, Canadian Club. And it will just be, well, I would like to say, a matter of days and weeks. It'll be a bit before we're back there at IG Field cheering on the Bombers, enjoying CC and ginger ales. But in the meantime, you can pick up those in cans as well at your local Manitoba Liquor Marts. And uh, a huge thanks to our great, great sponsors at Culligan Water, family-owned for over 65 years in the business, taking care of Winnipeggers and Southern Manitobans' water needs with water softeners, filters, bottled water coolers, whole home systems and drinking water systems, not to mention citywide water delivery services and commercial and industrial water products and solutions. 1200 Sargent Avenue, 694 You can also check on everything they've got going on at drinkculligan.com. All right, huge one tonight. Whenever the Jets play the Wild, we love welcoming in Jesse Pierce, you know, from the Bar Down Beauties podcast and covering the Wild for NHL.com. And even better, we could have one of our favorite females join us on International Women's Day. Jesse, thanks so much for doing this. It's great to have you back in the peg on Winnipeg Sports Talk. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Well, nervous, to be perfectly honest with you. This team is giving me max stress over the last little while. And after such, a, I think overall, an unexpected, amazing start, um, it's been some tough sledding for the Winnipeg Jets. And it doesn't get any easier tonight with this Minnesota Wild team coming in. You've been there every step of the way with the team. That I, I was very intrigued as to how they would play because you knew they had the talent on the club. There were some interesting offseason moves. But, I mean, in a salary cap world where everyone is so tight, I mean, they've got this massive cap penalty, and yet nothing seems to phase this team. And, I mean, now we see them playing some of their best hockey of the year, shutting teams down defensively. As Marat just mentioned, having some of the best goaltending in the National Hockey League. And the bottom line, winning games on a consistent basis. I mean, what's happened with this wild team over the past month? How are they doing it? And how ferocious of an opponent should we be expecting tonight when they drop the puck at Canada Life Centre? 
I mean, lucky for Minnesota fans down here just south of you guys, Minnesota the Wild have found their groove at the right time of the year. It's been up and down a roller coaster of a season for the Wild. It looked very much like they were going to be a bubble playoff team, if at all, but they have found a spot right now, second in the Central, as you guys are aware. Uh, the biggest difference is, Minnesota had to refine its identity. You go back to last year in the wild were this high octane scoring machine, putting up four, five, six goals and doing so in dramatic fashion, pulling the goalie with 10 minutes left and going and come from behind all of the exciting things. Uh, this team is not that team. You're not getting the same production from players like Marcus Foligno, Jules Eriksson, even Matt Boldy, who's been struggling as of late a little bit to find the back of the net. Uh, so Minnesota resorted to what it's always known throughout its franchise history defense first mentality and that stinginess has come to pay off in addition to some fantastic goaltending namely from philip gustafson who has come out of nowhere and just flashed brilliance uh but upon brilliance each and every night uh for minnesota so i think that's been the biggest again they're winning games by one goal maybe two goals it's not been this this big scoring deficit it's not going to be the maybe six one game winnipeg saw earlier but they are going to make it very tough on their opponents and tonight that would be the Jets. Well, it's funny you say that because I think that's what's freaking people out even more. I mean, the Wild <laughs> handed the Jets their ass earlier this season with that 6-1 win, another 4-1 win, and that was the best version of the Winnipeg Jets, which mm. has been um, not that present as of late. Although, maybe hoping that the Wild can bring the best out of the Jets right now in a big rivalry game, remembering what happened a little earlier this year. But you mentioned Gustafson, and I wanted to ask you, about Bill Guerin and the job that he's doing right now as the general manager. I remember Cam Talbot wasn't very happy. And I mean, he did everything short of driving his ass to the airport to get him out right away. You make that trade, you get some cap space, you get Gustafson and he has turned into one of the great stories of the year when it comes to the goaltending position. Um, but it just does seem to be sort of a calling card of Bill Car Bill Guerin that you're either in or you're out. And he's made some very hard decisions. He's made them unequivocally quickly, and it seems to be going out in his favor. Leading into the deadline, that was the case. And then there was one team that made a bunch of significant ads very close to 2 p.m. last Friday, and it's Bill Guerin. Can you just, for people that haven't been paying attention to the Wild off the ice this year, talk about the impact their GM has made and the deals that he's made to kind of put them into the position right now that they're enjoying. Bill Guerin unapologetically makes these moves and makes these decisions too. And that starts with the buyouts of Zach Parisi and Ryan Suter, which everybody knew was going to pinch the wallet naturally of the salary capped uh, Minnesota wild who don't have that much money to play with. They had to part ways with some of their best players like Kevin Fiala and really have to make a lot of difficult decision when it comes to contracts. Matt Dumba's on an expiring contract right now, a longtime defenseman for your Minnesota wild odds are he will not be here at the end of the year, but cutting those, uh, making that decision to cut Parisi and Suter, I think was for the best of the organization, best of the team, because as you've seen, they've really gelled together in a very different way than they had under Parisi and Suter. It just is a different vibe in general. And, and the saying here in the twin cities is in Billy G we trust because every move that he's made, no matter how high, highly you questioned it, it's panned out. You go back to the Cam Talbot, Philip Gustafson trade, and a lot of people were very high on Talbot heading into the offseason. He had a pretty decent year last year. Obviously, questionable decisions made during the playoffs with Marc-Andre Fleury, but Bill Guerin made the, made the swap. 
Although I will say, I don't think even Billy G knew what he had with Philip Gustafson. I think that has shocked everybody. I don't think anybody saw um, his brilliance coming as it has. But even the moves that he made at deadline, adding Gustav Nyquist, who, yes, is hurt right now, but he got him for nothing, basically, whereas a healthy Nyquist probably would have been a bit more expensive. They uh, moved some dead weight and some money with Jordan Greenway for a second-round pick in a fantastic draft year this year. So that is probably more than what Greener might have yielded in other years. Um, And then adding Marcus Johansson, somebody who Minnesota Wild fans are familiar with. It's a second go-around. Johansson was hurt, already looking dividends better than what the first time around uh, he was with the wild. And then also you've got Oscar Sunquist, who has now slotted in kind of replaced Greenway with his size um, and John Klingberg, which was that last minute one that came out of Anaheim. Again, all of those moves costing Bill Guerin, nothing, just a few picks here and there and still not mortgaging the future at all either. And I think that's what has made Bill Guerin so successful is he's very high on his prospects on keeping the players within him, knowing that, it's going to be a little bit tough for the next few years as they're so strapped with cash. Um, but I think he's done a great job. And the great thing about these additions are they're all UFAs. So he's not on the hook for any of them come the end of the year. If they play great, they play great. You can discuss it then. But for right now, um, it's just a little bit of added offensive punch from everybody, including Klingberg. Hey, refresh my memory. What was the Klingberg? Uh, what was the Klingberg cost? Was a fourth round pick? A fourth round pick, which I believe was something that probably came in a roundabout trade because they did two three team trades the earlier this year too. So I feel like it was something that was just nothing. Well, and, and uh, I'll tell oh, you and what. it was sorry they did get rid of two uh, AHL players, uh, Nestorinko, who's also at BC, but they weren't intending to sign him anyway. So. Yeah, I mean, not a lot lost from it. And, and I mean, you know, you cover the National Hockey League more than just the Wild. I mean, what we did an extended show. We went about four and a half hours on deadline day, and we were talking about, obviously, what the Jets were doing, we had everything around. And I remember seeing the return for Klingberg and then remember what they got from Buffalo for Jordan Greenway and his two goals and seven points on the season. And, and if anything, I, I took it as... First of all, some shrewd dealing by Bill Guerin, but also how much size toughness is valued at this time of the year. And I think that, you know, having already acquired Ryan Reeves, they were in a position where a player like that was expendable. And man, did they get the right side of that one? Oh, absolutely. And I think it's a good deal for Jordan Greenway, too. Another player that came up through the Minnesota Wild prospect. He was drafted by the Wild, um, but he needed a change of scenery. Things which just were not clicking for Greenway here at all. Obviously, he started late, uh, missed all of training camp with an injury. Then his first game back gets injured again in a separate injury. uh, And that one was a shoulder, which I think changed the way he played. I think he was afraid to use that size, that frame, that body a little bit because you saw a lot of hesitance. Uh, from Greenway when it comes to battles along the boards or getting down in the greasy goal areas like he would know, was known for. Uh, but he's familiar with Granado out in Buffalo, having spent time with him at the NTDP. So I think Bill Guerin did consider that too. And, I, I you know, Billy always tells us, I don't want to win a trade. I want it to be a good trade. And I think while it's very arguably probably a little bit better for the Wild, 
I do think that uh, it's a good deal for for Buffalo too, who could use Greenway side. But yeah, I think getting a second round for for that was not anything anybody saw coming. Well, and a fifth rounder, and of course they were yeah. creative earlier on using their limited cap space to broker a couple deals and essentially pay like seventy five grand for a fourth rounder and then use that for a couple of the other trades. Um, where does John Klingberg fit in? And, and you know what? I'll ask this question at the same time while asking about Brandon Native Kalen Addison, a young player who had been a big part of the power play at the time. Is his spot in the lineup um, maybe compromised by the addition of Klingberg? And in particular, that wild power play, how does it look now with Klingberg, a player that has been very successful with the man advantage over the course of his NHL career? I mean, you nailed it. Once we discussed power play, we kind of saw the writing on the wall for Kalen Addison, who was a healthy scratch for four straight games a little bit before that, too. Um, you know, the knock on Klingberg, obviously, is the defensive side of his game, which is never great when you're a defenseman. The good news is whenever Jonas Brodin finally comes back from this injury, I think pairing those two together will easily cover up the mistakes that Klingberg might make defensively because Brodin is so good at that. Uh, Garen had said the biggest thing that he wanted from Klingberg was that offensive production, was his ability to play up on the offensive side. Now, when it comes to Kalen Addison, again, unfortunately, I think he's going to be the odd man out more often than not. Now, Kalen, I think, to me, has a bright future, and I, I really want to see that see a little bit more with the Minnesota wild, but I think they were just not impressed with the way that he was developing. They don't Minnesota didn't seem to be um, liking the way that his lack of defensive game was coming along. They felt that he was too offensive at some times, which is why he took a seat on the pine. Um, again, I'm hoping that he still jumps into the rotation. I certainly think there are some other defensemen that the wild have out there that could easily take a seat on any given night, but we'll have to see. I imagine Kalen, saw that uh, that writing as well. Again, Klingberg is a UFA, so that contract expires at the end of this year, so it's certainly not all doom and gloom for Mr. Addison, but it'll be interesting to see how the uh, the year-end plays out here. You know, it, uh, you know, just looking at the lines, it's sort of funny seeing Ryan Hartman, who you remember coming over from the Preds, being a first-line center, not necessarily guys, but, you know, when you got Zuccarello riding shotgun on one side and Kirill Kaprizov on the other. Um, you probably counted on to do very different things. Um, but tell us about that line, and in particular, Kaprizov, who continues to um, you know grow into one of the true superstars in the National Hockey League. Kirill Kaprizov, just one goal shy of 40 for the second straight season. He'd be the first wild player in franchise history to do back-to-back 40 goal seasons. I apologize if that happens tonight up in the peg. But no, I mean, Kirill Kaprizov is a superstar in every scheme of the world. But he's also a unique superstar to me because he is that superstar that is not afraid to get in the dirty areas either. He's not just scoring these highlight reel goals. He is down getting rebounds and he's down kind of in the areas in the paint that you don't see too often. And he's also willing to stand his ground and fight and battle. And and he gets knocked around quite a bit as sometimes superstars do, but he is unique in that aspect. Now you pair him with Zuccarello who has this natural chemistry with him where those two almost look for each other too much. It can be a little bit of a problem. Dean Evson had mentioned that oftentimes those two were only have eyesight for each other, right? They're skating down the ice. Neither one of them might be looking to shoot first, which again is probably part of the offensive production problems Minnesota's facing now. Now, Ryan Hartman finally got slotted back up into that top line. Again, another player that had battled serious injury and then kind of was up and down. Hartman's role has changed a little bit from last year, as has the entire team, right? Again, Ryan Hartman, a 30 goal scorer last year, something that nobody could have predicted. Um, Now this year, he seems to be, 
trying to still find his game, trying to be that physical player that everybody has known him to be, but also he's taking some bad penalties in that process by being that gritty guy. So it's going to be interesting to see how that continues to play out, that dynamic. Again, it's better, but as we've all seen from the Minnesota Wild this year, it's hard to find a center that can play with two elite players like Kaprizov and Zuccarello, but for now Hartman has uh, been up for the task. One of the other things, Jesse, that we've always known from the Minnesota Wild is that team is going to have some bite and they're going to challenge you physically. Uh, And that challenge for opponents got increased exponentially when Ryan Reeves showed up in town. (laughs) Um, Was it a surprise because of the makeup of the team when they actually did go to get him? And tell us a little bit about his role right now in the team. I mean, he's probably never going to be more than a fourth line player, but fourth lines have very different impacts on different teams. I mean, you certainly saw the chippiness decrease when Ryan Reeves came to the Minnesota Wild. I mean, there certainly weren't wasn't as much headhunting going on against Kaprizov, knowing that Revo was skating around up there. Um, I think it was a surprise. I think everybody kind of looked at it as like a why. You have Marcus Foligno at the time. You had Jordan Greenway, Ryan Hartman, plus Brandon Duhame uh, is another guy that is a fighter, tough guy. Um, so, you know, having Ryan Reeves was just like, well, what's he going to bring? I think what Bill Guerin was looking at and something that he's always touted is that culture in the locker room ryan reeves is a fantastic human being and just so much fun and at that time when they went out and signed ryan reeves minnesota didn't have any energy the team itself was just kind of whole humming along and certainly losses will do that but even when they won it just something felt off ryan reeves injected that team with this new kind of energy that i think really uplifted a lot of the player spirit um obviously he knows mark andre Fleury and john merrill from their time together in Vegas. So that certainly helped. Um, So aside from just the little bit of on ice presence that he brings, and he joked with us the other night when he scored his first goal of the year saying that, well, yeah, I'm a 50 point producer. I'm sure they're happy. I finally got going. Right. I mean, it's that personality. And I think that truly is what um, excites the Minnesota wild and why they turned things around earlier on in the season, I think is a big Testament to Ryan Reeves and the move that Bill Guerin made. Special guest star in on WST today from uh, the Bardown Buttes headquarters. So, <laughs> hey, just before we go, um, we talked about Gustafson. Are we expecting Mark Andre Fleury tonight? And uh, maybe just quickly, how's his season gone while Gustafson's been stealing the show? I would expect Mark Andre Fleury. Um, again, not that Gus couldn't go back to back. You saw Jacob Markstrom go back to back and perform incredibly well for the Calgary Flames with Dallas and Minnesota. Uh, Mark Andre Fleury has struggled a little bit. It's been a little bit up and down. Um, you know, a little bit more down as of late, but luckily Philip Gustafson has certainly taken a hold of that crease, which is always nice, but he's still Marc-Andre Fleury. At the end of the day, he still is a future Hall of Famer, still a Stanley Cup winner, all of the accolades that everybody knows from the flower. He has been letting Gus have the net without too much you know, there's no animosity there, which I think is what makes Mark Andre Fleury so beloved is that he's not sitting around. Of course, he'd love to play, but he understands that the betterment of the team is with Gus right now. Um, again, that being said, Mark Andre Fleury has stepped in, won a couple games, and done fine. He's just definitely been more in the background than I think he has been used to in recent years. So it'll still be a good test. Again, the defense is the thing that Winnipeg is going to have to look out for 
tonight, but Flurry is a part of that as well. I don't think we could have had a better little special guest appearance on International <laughs> Women's Day show on the job of women doing work and taking care of families than this. Jesse, you're such a pleasure to have on. Enjoy the game tonight. And just quickly before we go, fill people in on uh, Bar Down Buttes and where they can uh, read and uh, find your work covering the Minnesota Wild in the NHL. Yeah, thank you. No, you'll probably see this guy on a lot of Bar Down Beauties episodes too. I should not have put a sliding door in the office, guys. <laughs> Recommendation number one for working moms and dads alike. But uh, no, Bar Down Beauties, a hockey podcast releasing new episodes every single Monday. We had Minnesota legend Lou Nanny on this last week. Next week, we actually have Philip Gustafson on as our guest to talk all things goaltending and Swedish. Um, and then you can find all of my writing and work on NHL.com as well as wild.com where we've got a couple of player feature stories as well so appreciate you guys having me on oh thanks so much for doing this uh let's do this again soon all the best and uh we'll get 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 back to everything else on the plate i know uh it's a it's a busy grind that's for sure jesse thanks so much enjoy this one thanks, tonight guys Yep, bye-bye. Oh, that was phenomenal. Jesse Pierce of uh, NHL.com. And uh, folks, if you haven't checked it out, um, uh, just some great work talking NHL. Just really, really fun over at the uh, at the Bar Down Beauties. All right. Um, I, I guess I haven't mentioned this yet. I know some people are in on some days and out on others. Um, before we get Remo back in here, folks, in the chat, I have just plopped in the event link for tickets for our Winnipeg Sports Talk Sports Trivia Night, episode number two. The first one was uh, full. We had such a great time with so many of you out there. Hopefully we'll see you all back again at Little Brown Jug three weeks today, Wednesday, March 29th. We'll uh, have a few pints, ask a whole bunch of questions. The uh, curation of the questions continues. A lot of work putting this together. Uh, but it's a hell of a lot of fun. We hope we'll see you there. Ticket link in the description, and Remus has tabbed it, uh, pinned it right up. And if you're listening to us afterwards, you can also go into the description of the video or our social media channels and uh, make sure you get in, count yourself in. We'll see you there three weeks today at Little Brown Jug on William Avenue, 7 p.m. for uh, Winnipeg Sports Talk Sports Trivia event number two. Um, of course, while you're at it, you can pick up the great taste of Little Brown Jug wherever they sell great beer, Manitoba liquor marts, and beer stores around the city. Um, and let's get Remo in for this one because we do have to give a big thank you, um, certainly for their incredible support for the last two years, getting in with us before we had even done episode one, now on 502. Uh, but the Nick and Nikki DQ group, such great friends of ours and great supporters of ours, believed in this concept from the get-go. And Remo, we do have a nice gift from Nick and Nikki for the second anniversary that uh, I know you've got a little pick to show off to everybody. There it is, the official Winnipeg Sports Talk uh, anniversary cake. Hustler looks delicious, really well done. Shade, two shades of blue. I think that's uh, what, polar night? Blue, isn't that what the Jets blue is officially? Aviator, yeah, yeah. Aviator blue and a polar blue. Uh, yeah, aviator. We got, yeah, so that's on the cake there. Uh, I just taste It's also got the Winnipeg Sports Talk logo for people uh, listening on the podcast. But, yeah, great looking cake. I'm looking forward to getting into this one. Shout out to Nick for his support and setting uh, this up. I mean, Made some great cakes for uh, my birthday, my son's birthday. Did a great dinosaur cake. 
So uh, ex- exciting stuff here from DQ. Well, and it looks uh, it, it looks great. Tastes even better. They've got the uh, traditional DQ ice cream cakes and Blizzard cakes as well. So uh, it's a perfect example of what Nick and Nikki can do for you. If you've got a big event or a birthday coming up, uh, you can hit them up on Instagram at DQ Manitoba. I'll uh, get your order in, get that logo or whatever you want to put on it, and then uh, get it ready for a quick and easy pickup at any of the four Nick and Nikki DQs. DQ Niverville, DQ Northgate, DQ Polo Park, and over at DQ St. Anne's. You know, I had to laugh there. I mean, it's such a great segment with uh, Jesse on all things Minnesota Wild heading into this game tonight. And um, as we mentioned, you know, the moms and the women in our lives that do so many things, taking care of children and working, um, that was maybe the uh, the ultimate scene for a day like today with, uh, with Jesse and uh Someone popping in. I'm sure. Uh, I'm sure your better half has been in the middle of things and has had uh, some attention challenges with um, somebody else knocking on the door. I don't mean Evan. I'm meaning you. Yes. Um, <laughs> yeah. Sort of. Jesse. I know people on the podcast probably wouldn't even know that her son was there. I don't know. I'm getting better at estimating kids' ages. I don't know. He's three, four. I'm no two. Somewhere in that range. Toddler. But you know, tapping her on the back shoulder. Mom. Mom. And she. <laughs> Didn't miss a beat at all. So uh, it was a fun visual here for us on YouTube. Uh, people on the podcast, you probably don't, won't even notice. You might have heard it picking up from her microphone when he grabbed it grabbed it away from her. But uh, it was a highlight. Doing a great job there. And, yeah, shout out to my wife on International uh, Women's Day. My, I have a newborn daughter as well. And mom, and all the women in her lives, you know, mother-in-law. So it's. Yeah, great day to celebrate. Well, I know there's a something they're doing at the Jets game uh, tonight as well for that. I believe. Oh, good stuff. Well, and you know what? For me, I mean, obviously, my mom and all the moms out there and uh, the women. But a special shout out to all the women of Winnipeg Sports Talk that support us so well that are here in and all the time. And by the way, Nick's in here. Nick, thanks again, buddy, for everything. And Nick says, "Congrats, boys." And a nice little comment from Kyle. I went to DQ Niverville with beauty of a place, awesome staff, and you can pretty much count on that at any of the four Nick and Nicky DQs. All right, uh, before we get to get out and get this podcast loaded up, let's uh, get over to the cool bet lines for today. Uh, quick note, uh, new lock shop today, and for you golf guys, like my golf guys and girls like myself, Players Championship begins tomorrow. Not quite a major, but feels quite like it. Tons of markets that maybe we don't get for regular PGA Tour events up on CoolBet. And if you do want to get to our picks, um, some a few exotics, outright winners. We're going to have a Make the Cut parlay coming up on the CoolBet exclusive section as well. Uh, it's all there at the Lock Shop Bets on YouTube. If you, uh, I won't put the link in right now because I don't have it handy, but search Lock Shop Bets. Subscribe to the podcast there. Latest episode of the Players' Championship. All there for you to get ready for tee off tomorrow. As far as tonight goes, pretty slow night in the National Hockey League. Three games. And, uh, oh, I just realized this Jets game starts at 6.30 again tonight. I guess that is a Sportsnet game. So yes. uh, govern yourselves accordingly. I'm glad we did the cool bet lines because I just realized that right now. Uh, starts off with Chicago and Detroit. Two teams. Ah, Detroit had a sniff there. It doesn't look like they're going to be in the mix, though. Detroit minus 229 against the Blackhawks, plus 190. The Jets are favored tonight, um, probably partially because of the Minnesota Wild playing last night and having to travel. 
but the Jets are a slight favorite, minus 142 at home against the Wild, Wild plus 120. No surprise with how stingy the Wild have been defensively as of late that the total on this game is 5.5, and, a half, and uh, the Jets plus 185 if you think they can win by two. I did pop in a lock shot partner parlay exclusive for tonight. And I didn't want to mush the team. It seems like any time I put something together that involves the Jets win, it doesn't happen. So tonight, we simply went with the under five and a half, Nito Niederreiter to score, and Josh Morrissey to get a point. Massive number, plus 1,300. So 13 to one on that. If you want to ride with me in the exclusives, and as far as the uh, curling goes tonight, what a matchup for all the marbles. And it's Matt Dunstone that's the favorite against Kevin Cooey. Both of these teams are 6-0. and The winner will get to 7-0 and and clinch the, uh, clinch the group. Manitoba minus 139. Alberta plus 108. If you haven't played a cool bet before, use the promo code WST for a 100% deposit on a bonus on your first deposit up to 200 bucks. Sounds like it's going to be all eyes on Winnipeg and the Jets tonight, Remo, on national TV. Hopefully the fellas are ready. Great. Yeah, I'm sure they saved all the all the features as they were planning for last game for this one because uh, I guess it's Jets and Wild, 6.30. I'm sure we'll get tons of uh, Rennie on the broadcast, which is the best part of when Sportsnet airs uh, <laughs> the games. And yeah, Vancouver, Anaheim, the late one, not really... Looking forward to that. Chicago, Detroit again. So the only game really meaning meaning stuff in the standing. Uh, unless you're counting what tanking for retired. Although Detroit, sorry, Detroit is still on the, they're in the fringe. They're in the fringe. So a, a couple of games. Although we did have a number of games last night, which is why. And I don't know if you saw, we did have a bit of a suspension announcement come out during oh, the show. Oh, let, let me it, guess who it was. It's got to be Tony D'Angelo, right? Yes, it is. Yes. Okay, do you want to you want to guess this? You can guess. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's the suspension. Okay. Tony and D. And do you want to tell everyone what what he did? Oh yeah, first of all, if you missed this last night, Tony, there was a big scrum between the Flyers and Tampa Bay Lightning. And Tony D'Angelo skated from outside of the picture into the scrum. Uh if anyone remembers the old video game Joust, essentially using his stick as a jousting pole straight into Corey Perry's nuts. Now, I'll say this. If he was going to do this to anyone in the league, he's probably going to get the most sympathy for doing it to Corey Perry, who has speared more than his fair share of opponents in the NHL. But when it comes to spearing, this one was over the top, a bit of a running start and directly right into the junk. I had no doubt that he was going to get a call from NHL player safety. And I'm going to predict, Remus, that he got, uh, has he been suspended before? I'm going to go with five games. You would be way over, Hustler, for five games. He got two games for, for spearing That's Corey it. Perry. Spearing Corey Perry in the net, two games. So that's what it is. Okay, he got three off because it was Corey Perry. <laughs> well, that's what people He's got were a saying. Discount. That was a tweet. Uh, there's a tweet here. Um, I want to give the guy credit. At Foolman says, you know, it's good that someone speared Corey Perry in the nuts, but it's also good that D'Angelo's getting suspended. So it's working working out for the best. <laughs> 
a win-win for everyone. Yeah, two of the most hated guys in the league going at it. Um, but it was over the top. And there was another oh, stick-swinging incident last night that um, you were talking about earlier. Well, I'm watching from Minnesota. Ryan Hartman, it looks like after play, goes up to Rasmus Anderson, the Flames defenseman, and just like axe chops his arm. I thought he could have break it, broken his wrist pretty easily, and I thought it was a pretty dirty play. I haven't seen any discipline, but amazing that you can just go up to a guy, unsuspecting player, in the middle of, you know, after a whistle, just two-hand him in the, in the hand, in the arm, and like nothing's going to happen to you. It's... That's why we love hockey, right, Huss? Isn't that why? Isn't that why we're all here? We love, you know, as much as I'm like, ah, oh, what a dirty play. This is why you tune in. You love, you know, love the violence aspect, right? Roy Mack in chat. It was five, and then they said, oh, it was Perry? That'll be two. That'll be two games. They had to give a suspension out at some point. And, uh, yes, I see all of your jokes about one game per nut, uh, et cetera, <laughs> <laughs> et cetera. Um, that oh. being said, folks, uh, this has been a real fun show today. Uh, and obviously just from both myself and Michael, uh, once again, if you missed earlier on uh, today, second anniversary of Winnipeg Sports Talk, hard to believe that we were freaking out trying to get on the air for our first show two years today. I'll never forget those three weeks as we put this all together and Remo went to the University of YouTube to figure out how this all works. And um, to think that we're sitting here today with such great support from our sponsors and all of you is um, is uh, is really special. Um, and we just did, again, want to thank everybody for um, the support, whether you're a podcast listener, whether uh, YouTube uh, jump in, whether you're watching the YouTube after the fact. Um as we say, hit that red subscribe button. Give us a thumbs up. Uh, tell your friends on social media if you can about Winnipeg Sports Talk and um, let people know where we're at. We seem to continue to grow and that uh, we certainly continue to have a hell of a great time each and every day. Uh, um, I often say that, you know, shutting the station down sucked for the city. It sucked for sports fans overall. And it really sucked for everyone that lost jobs. Um, and many of our great friends back at the station are doing other things. Uh, but certainly, selfishly, for the two of us, uh, we wouldn't have it any other way. This has ended up being the best thing that I think ever happened to us, and uh, we're appreciative each and every day for um, the opportunity to be able to do this, to have it work out the way uh, the way that it has. And um, win or lose tonight, we'll be back here tomorrow at 1 p.m., and we'll be there through the playoffs and through bomber season. And uh, Remo, congrats to you for all the work you've done, and uh, here's to many more cheersing on march 8th for another year of winnipeg sports talk now yeah, well, i'll say cheers to you for coming you know when they had the news i figured i was no longer going to be working in sports media i thought i was done and yada 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 you said no 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 let's keep going and you had i wouldn't have done it if you didn't weren't able to get the initial sponsors and i actually thought yeah i'll do this like part-time and i'll look for a real real job and uh here we are two years later uh, still going, so uh, this is. Been... I worked hard to try to find someone more committed, but it didn't work out. So uh, you know what? I talked <laughs> to you then. <laughs> just kidding. I, I don't blame you. I was like, yeah, Leah. I'm just. I told my wife, yeah, I'm just gonna do this. You know, get some money. You know, I'm getting still getting paid a bit. You know, for as, as buyout. So 
Um, we'll just I do mean, this. For, and for, you I, were the one. You were the one with a wife and a young kid. I mean, the stress was more. My biggest stress was making sure it worked for you because <laughs> I knew the stress that you would have been having on you. But I mean, uh, you many of you know I did a bunch of work and I got a call the next day from um, you know a station in Calgary to get out there. And I needed a bit of time to think about it. And to be honest, I went back and went, there is too big of an opportunity here for something like this um, to not give it a run. And I'm very, very happy that we did. The rest has been history. It's been a great two years. And here is to many more. And all I want for our Winnipeg Sports Talk birthday is two damn points in the standings tonight so we can be talking about a win tomorrow and uh, maybe a little bit of a better forecast for the Winnipeg Jets as they head out on the road to the Sunshine State. Florida Saturday, Tampa Sunday, Carolina next Tuesday, and then a big one against the beasts of the National Hockey League, the Boston Bruins, coming up on Thursday. But we'll talk about those games in the next couple days. Tonight, it is all about the Jets and Wild. Just realizing, as I mentioned, that's a 6.30 game tonight. It is on Sportsnet. I'll be up in the upper bowl. If you're around 316, pop in and say hi. Otherwise, we'll uh, get back together with the whole gang live on YouTube at 1 o'clock p.m. on tomorrow's edition of Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Great show lined up. Our guy, Sean Reynolds, will come on the program. Uh, Rewiki. And we'll also be talking to top five NHL draft prospect, second in WHL scoring, and one of the stars of the Winnipeg Ice, Zach Benson, making his first appearance on Winnipeg Sports Talk. So all that's coming up tomorrow. Do not miss it. In the meantime, tell a friend about WST. Thank you for all the support. Enjoy the game tonight. We'll see you tomorrow right here, 1 p.m. on YouTube on WST. Oh, my God. Oh! Oh! Shut it down. Oh Let's go Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.